You guys have it real easy. I never had it like this where I grew up. But I send my kids here because the fact is you go to one of the best schools in the country, Russian. Now for some of you, it doesn't matter. You were born rich and you're going to stay rich. But here's my advice to the rest of you. Take dead aim on the rich boys. Get them in the crosshairs and take them down. Just remember, they can buy anything, but they can't buy backbone. Don't let them forget that. Thank you. Sarah Dillon. Oh, you and, Ra- you and Raul feel the same. I don't know. Let's no longer compare myself and Raul. That oh, seems yeah. to end badly. Let's not let's not continue to list ways in which I am just like your gentleman caller. Um, the, how is it that you recognize it like two seconds in if you've never seen it? I mean, I hadn't even gotten four words into that and you knew who it was. I've seen part of it and I remember that speech because I love that speech. It's, it's fantastic. I've I, only seen oh, up into the point the, the O R they. Yeah. yeah. You know, the OR, they really gets a disproportionate share of, uh, of, the, uh, of the fame, too, because that's, cause that's the thing they use in the trailers. If you saw the trailers for Rushmore, that, uh, that OR, they, which was totally a, um, that was a, an ad-lib. That was a uh, Jason Schwartzman ad-lib. He just tossed that in. Oh, really? At the last second. Yeah, so Bill Murray, there's that sequence where they're sitting there at the table. Oh, I don't even want to describe it. Now, can I just tell you this? I don't mean to gush. But I'm gushing. What are you going to do? I'm just, just going to, man, it's going to let it go. I was reading a thing about top ten high school movies and oh, Rushmore was number one. Oh, seriously. No, there's no... I said this at the time because it ties into something we've been discussing. At the time, um, it, when Rushmore came out, which I think was 98, the observation that I made to my wife is that it, it, although it's a different plot, it's not, it, it, it is different plot-wise, it felt closer uh, to youth and revolt in a lot of ways than anything I had ever seen on the big screen. I mean, it's very, it, it, it is sort of a, uh, think of it this way. Think of Rushmore as being a cousin piece to Youth and Revolt. The setting is different. Some of the specifics are different. But the dynamic between, and it's sweeter than Youth and Revolt is. Youth and Revolt is, is pretty caustic. Youth and Revolt is a pretty unforgiving, pretty pretty cynical look at the world. Uh, Rushmore has a, it has a good heart. It really does. And I don't mean that. And, not a, you know, and the great thing about Rushmore, kind of gives me chills just to talk about it. The great thing about Rushmore is, that it, it can it it does that thing that like um, that Superbad did and that I suspect uh, uh, Knocked Up does and that Freaks and Geeks did, which is where it does show you all the awkwardness and just discomfort and pain and and weirdness and and, and pleasure and and suffering of being an adolescent, but it does it all without being cloying or corny in any way. So I really cannot speak highly enough of Rushmore. It's a masterpiece. It really is. It's. I mean, it's it's in it's in it's in the all-time top ten. I mean, it's a uh, it's yeah. I got it upstairs in my office right now. The Criterion Collection, of course. 
So, yeah, I've got it up there right now. And co-written by Owen Wilson. And it shows you a different side to that guy, too. Because he just seems like such an idiot bleach blonde surfer moron. Oh, so Owen, Owen Wilson, not Luke Wilson? No, Owen Wilson. Luke Wilson is in it. Yeah. As cameo. Just a cameo. But Owen Wilson co-wrote that. He also co-wrote the Royal Tenenbaum, so people don't know that. Um, because when he acts, he always is just like some grade Z Spicoli. Uh, but when he writes with Wes Anderson, he didn't do The Life Aquatic, which I never saw, and I understand it's not very good. Um, but, yeah, he co-wrote both Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums with Wes Anderson. Really, just, and as a person who appreciates, and then I'm going to quit gushing about about Rushmore, because we can't just, we just can't start the show with just some unbridled, you know, Vesuvius of enthusiasm coming out of me about something that, you know, that probably people haven't even seen. But, um... I will say this, and knowing you as someone who appreciates sort of aesthetic, uh, it is just, it's a very, and I don't mean this in a pretentious way, but it's a very stylish film in the sense that Wes Anderson had a specific look he was going for. He knew exactly what he wanted it to look like. Everybody has a specific kind of dress. The music, and the music is all 60s British Invasion stuff. It is all old 60s British Invasion score. That's the way to get through to you. Oh, it's great. It's just, it's really honest. The trailer's only two minutes. Can can we get inspired? Uh, uh, I don't know. Let's sidetrack us. I don't know. No, well, not only that, and I almost... I mean, I almost... I am, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen the trailer. I'm just saying I almost... Well, I'm, well, I almost just want to give you the movie and just say... But you said you already I've own seen, it. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Yes, Raul. Bits and it's pieces. The, it's the bane of his existence that I have not seen it. Well, I respect him even more now that I know he's a fan of Rushmore. Yeah, he purchased it. Yeah, that's... How has he not really made well you uh, see it? He has, We're, but it was after we watched this movie called Dot the Eye and I fell asleep. Okay, yeah, really, honestly. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna shut up about it because, you know, whatever. It's a big world, lots of opinions. I'm just saying Rushmore is a flawless film. I can't think of a single bum note in that entire movie, which is, you know, that's, that's not a, you know, they, it's hard to come up with movies that are flawless, frame for frame. Rushmore is right up there. Anyway, fantastic film. And Bill Murray, that, it's not the movie that established Bill Murray as a guy who could do serious side roles. Because, you know, he kind of, he sort of overreached with the razor's edge, but he tried that. He was Bunny Yeager in Ed Wood, which is not a serious role, but is a different role than the kind he usually played. But Rushmore was the, Rushmore was what made it possible for Bill Murray to do Lost in Translation. Rushmore is the movie that made people look at Bill Murray and go, hey, that guy can do serious sort of, you know, where he plays the sort of older, successful, but sort of put upon, sort of beaten down by life guy. So, anyway, just, it's fantastic. Rushmore. I mean, really, go buy it today. Don't even don't watch the trailer. Don't don't look at the back of the, the box. Go to the store. Buy it today. All right. Well, I'm sorry. Now we're like 12 minutes into the show. Hmm. Hello. It's seven minutes and 14 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of September, in the year of our Lord 2007. Thank you for coming along, and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. That's uh, the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your corrections, your what have you. Uh, if you want to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. i got to slow down the way I uh, give the email address because I realized I was doing that thing that Jim Rome used to do. I don't know if he still... I haven't listened to Jim Rome forever, but he... I realized that I had listened on and off to Jim Rome for about three and a half years, and then I realized I still didn't know what his email address was because it all just came out at com. And it was just, it was one big sort of Scott Farrell esque, just a conglomeration of words. Anyway, it is Rick at uh, rickemerson.com. You can also uh, email the uh, rest of the casting crew at Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Scotty J at 970.am. 
uh, .am. It's Wednesday, uh, and welcome to Day 12. Here's what is coming up. We have uh, today's top five uh, assembled lovingly by me. Uh, we have the top five songs about school. A couple notes about this. A, the songs all have to have school in the title. There will be no hot for teacher. Uh, and let's see, what else? I had some other note to make about this. School, song, something. Well, whatever. Anyway, so there you go. Top five songs. I guess that's the only note. Top five songs about school. Oh, and no Beach Boys songs. Uh, it's because it's like having Beach Boys car songs. There's just too many, and then you just never, you know. So, uh, anyway, top five songs about school, uh, because school is uh, back in for all ye with, uh, with children uh, this week. Let's see. Another reason for you to hate Scotty J. Uh, we'll have a, I found at long last, I had it, and then I lost it, now I got it again. It's that sound of the anchor, by popular request, that sound of the anchor laughing while describing the two people who've been killed in a horrific car accident. Somebody had asked me, but they're like, can you play that again? And then I went and I had lost it. I couldn't find it. Uh, but, but now I have it once again. So we'll play that today, the sound of that, uh, the anchor losing it while talking about the two people who've been killed in a car wreck. And then the only reason I bring this up is, A, because people uh, had asked for it, and B, Sarah, I think yesterday was playing, more before the show, you playing some news clip where an anchor just keeps losing their composure. Yeah, when they're talking about uh, Owen Wilson's suicide attempt. And the woman keeps laughing hysterically. So we can do a whole, I got like nine of these. Uh, where just a bunch of reporters, a bunch of reporters lose it, you know, while trying to talk about something completely serious. Uh, so we can do a whole, do a whole pastiche, as they say, uh, of that. Let's see, what else? Oh, uh, we'll go to the pile of rejected guests and tell you who we're not going to be interviewing this week. And, uh, there you go. That's kind of it. Oh, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Goddard will be joining us, of course. Um... Well, anyway, uh, let's see. Mark Shearer will be joining us about, I guess the Chinese are trying to kill us with something else now. It's like a fifth wave of toys coming onto the American beach. Uh, and uh, Amanda Moyer uh, will talk to us today. You know that, what's his name? Steve Fawcett, billionaire guy, irritates us all by floating around the world in a goddamn balloon. F him, he's lost. So, uh, ha, ha, in your face, rich guy. I'm in a totally guidance system. I can end up. That is totally like the show Lost. Really? Is it? The guy in the hot air balloon. Really? It's true. And with a guy that I detest because he just sits. As my wife put it, and, and they do all of this media coverage of this moron. I mean, you know? Sorry. Let me insert the whole my my condolences to his family and blah, blah, blah if he's dead. But seriously, they this guy who's got like six skillion dollars. He gets in a hot air balloon and does this moronic 80 days around the world thing, except it's some James Bond, futuresque hot air balloon where it's like loaded down with every conceit. Like, he's not doing it the old H.G. Wells style, which I can at least admire. It's some, like, super hot air balloon of tomorrow where he's floating around the world. And then, the, I don't know if you remember this a couple of years ago. And so he's doing this around the world in 80 days trip in his hot air balloon. You know, and he's a squillionaire, and so he's got all of this, all of this equipment and all this crap, and the media is covering it like it's an actual real news story. You know what I mean? A billionaire guy with nothing better to do floats around in a balloon. And then my wife kept saying, like, why are you we... You say everything like an onion news story. Well, that, because that's the definitive way. That, that, that's what those news that things all sound like. Steve Fawcett, a guy you don't care about, travels the world in a balloon. And my wife said, why are we subjected to these stories which are about basically like, like stamp collecting of the rich and famous? So anyway, F him. He might be dead. Uh, what else? Well, that's pretty much it. We're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello. Man, I just hate the studio. Every time I come in here, it's Thanks. just a sneeze Thanks attack. so much. I'm sure the engineering department appreciates it. Thanks, thank that. you, engineers. Are well, you sure that it's... Because uh, didn't we used to have this problem here. at the other studio? I don't know. Maybe I'm allergic to somebody who uses my same microphone. Here's what I think it is, Sarah Dillon. I think I put my finger on it. Here's what it is. Because when we were to the coin tower, uh, we would all be fine. 
Then we would get into that uh, that little closet over there where we used to do the show. Which you know, I, did I tell you that I saw that the other day? Yeah. I went over there the other day for some other business, and I couldn't I couldn't resist. It's like going back to your old grade school, and the urinals are all tiny. Um, the, I walked into uh, the old studio at the Coin Tower where we did the show up until uh, March of this year, and um, March, February, something like that. Well, earlier this year. And uh, it's just, it's minuscule. It is so unbelievable that we did a show in there where we occasionally had like two and three guests at a time. It just doesn't even seem possible. That's very strange. It's really weird. No, I'm not complaining about the suit. It's just I never sneeze at any other time of the day except for when I, in the mornings in here. So here's my thought about that. My thought is, it's like we would go into the coin tower and we would all be like (laughs) sniffing and snorting. And that you come in here now and I see that the allergy things kick in. Here's the thing. I believe, cue Sidney Freeman mode. This is a psychosomatic projection of your anxieties about the program. I'm not anxious. You're actually, you are allergic to uh, comedy. Something. I don't know. You know, I'm trying to tie, it's like that MASH episode where like Hawkeye kept sneezing and it's because he shoved his cousin out of a boat when they were like five on Lake Penobscot or whatever the hell they, wherever they lived and then the cousin and then the mildew and the, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I, I can't, but they, they, they clean this room, don't they? I mean... I oh, clean it. I we, we leave it tidy. I know they vacuum in here. Scotty cleans this room. Yeah. Yeah, I, but more people sit in this seat than any other seat in this room. That is true. You do sit in the most polluted section of the entire studio over there. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. Uh, B-52 is mistakenly loaded with nuclear missiles, which nobody <laughs> could find for a while. We're going to hear from Senator Larry Craig, who's reconsidering his resignation. Oh, please <laughs> let it be true. Bill Clinton was on Letterman. A Republican is found dead. Is Hillary connected? That book, uh, that book is nothing but lies. This trumpets Larry Burkhead. I, I plan to sue. Portland may rename another major street. And Katie Couric is showing her journalism chops by walking around the green zone without a helmet on. Oh, great. Oh, geez. But more importantly, Tim, what kind of pantsuit is she wearing today? It was green. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well done. Uh, anyway, so there you go. By the way, that was attention Hillary Clinton. That was Tim Riley who made that joke about you having people killed. I respect you and fear you. I, I think living in the suburbs <laughs> is starting to affect my thinking. You're starting to... You're, you open your mouth and a slur against Hillary Clinton just comes out. You open your mouth... Stupid liberals! Oh, damn! I, just, I used to be one. You've got suburbanitis. You just got to hold on with liberal media. Oh, damn, crap. Stupid. It all started with... I Political guess. correctness! Oh, they just delivered a giant trash can for uh, yard scraps, which you don't get in the city. Uh, did we not? Oh, you get those. I guess we get ours last then. Well, you know, here's here's <laughs> well, the thing. See, I don't do yard work because I have a garden. No, and I, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, I'm with you, actually. The, the I pay people to do that for me. I don't really have a garden either. I just have, like, I have a bunch of shrubs and crap in front of my house. We used this. to have a gardener, and then they sold our house, and now it's just, it looks terrible. And the grass is so high that Muppet gets lost in the backyard. Really? That's kind of cute, though. Mm. Um, like on the Serengeti Plain, just stalking among the tall weeds. The, um, I, I'm just, my whole thing is, like, at, at the curb in front of our house, there's, like, five different colors of plastic bins. And it's so confusing, and so I just don't use any of them. It all goes into the one metal trash can right in front of my house. I'm going to tell you right now, I know that I'm supposed to sort. There's like a blue one and like a yellow one, and I think there's a green one. I think the yellow one's for bottles. And then there's a brown plastic bin, like a brown plastic trash can the city gave me. But you know what? I don't know what goes in what, and so I shove it all into that big metal round trash can, and they take it to a big hole in Mother Earth, and they put it right there, and it stays there forever and kills seagulls. 
And that's it. And I don't care. All right. Uh, I've got calls about what? Really? Well, let's just talk about some rejected guests, first of all. And then we'll talk about why you should hate Scotty. Uh, and then uh, so forth. And then I will let Sarah direct how we spend the rest of this opening segment. Uh, let's see here. Would you like to interview, this is, by the way, for National Menopause Awareness Month, the <laughs> hot topic for women over 50. Oh, Would you like to talk to the founder of, who, Sarah, I ask because you've got a vagina and therefore you must know about menopause. Who are the red hot mamas? Come on, Rick. I'm saying, have you heard about them? Do you know who they are? What? Do I know who the red hot mamas are who play menopause conferences? <laughs> no. I'm saying no, no, no. Here's the only reason I ask. Not that you're going through menopause, but you know how they do these. My interviews. mom is. I can't bring it up though. She gets really mad. Really? Uh huh. Are you going to shut up? Yeah, I know. I, I brought it up I jokingly, and then I, I came to find out <laughs> you can't joke about menopause. No, 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 no. You can't. It's like, and I, I'm, and I don't mean to traffic in crude stereotypes about women, but really, let's be honest. It's like a period that never ends. It's not even the period, the PMS. It's like the PMS that just goes on premenopause syndrome. Just goes forever. on forever and ever and ever. You are just lucky you're not living with her. That's all I'm going to say. And ask your dad if you don't believe me, because I lived with my mom when she went through menopause. I mean, I was still at home. I was because my mom had me pretty late in her life, and so I. May I ask how old your mother is? Is that rude? No, not at all. I think she's 54. No. Early 50s. No, she's mid 50s because she was 30 when she had me, so she's she must be like 56. All right, so yeah, my so yeah, so my mom is the typical age for women to get. You know, I don't really know that. Behold, how we're actually falling into the trap of talking about menopause. (laughs) I uh, I don't really know. Uh, How about those red hot mamas? I remember my mom turning 50, which was in 1986. Um, and so anyway, the point is, I was a teenager. And I, I mean, she did all the stereotypical things. Grumpy, snappy, snarly, didn't want to talk to anybody. She would do that stupid thing that you think only happens in like Albert Brooks movies where she would get up and she would open all the windows in December at four in the morning because the house was just too hot. You know, I mean, it's like 20 degrees outside. She's opening every window in the house, doing everything but turning on the air conditioner because it's just too warm in here. And I'm not trying to make fun of that. I mean, whatever. I don't have to go through it. I'm not trying to make fun of it. I'm just saying all of those things that you think are jokes and stereotypes, they really happen. Um... Anyway, the, po- the only reason I ask is because you know how they always book these guests. They mention a band or a movie you care about, and then they'll book somebody from that band or movie to talk about some other issue you don't care about. Mm-hmm. Like when they wanted to book Joe pa- uh, Joey Pants from The Sopranos, but it was like about bipolar disease. And he wanted to talk about his mother and, and how she like, throw dishes at him or something. Yeah, and it's like he didn't want to talk about The Sopranos. He was like, talk to Joey Pants from The Sopranos about something else, you know, and then it was about bipolar disease. Like we've got this. Would you like to talk to writer-director James Kearns? He apparently is the guy who did John Q with Denzel Washington. What does he want to talk about? Again, bipolar disorder. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a big deal this week. I, well, yeah, lots of kids are being treated for it. Is it bipolar week? Well, no, they're giving away uh, cheaper drugs to people with it. Really? So if you're not bipolar, they'll find a reason to give you these drugs. Sweet. Well, i got to go hook myself up. So it is... Um, yeah, lots of kids are these days. All right. Well, it is National Bipolar Week, apparently. Oh, that's probably Which is right. wonderful! And terrible. And great! And depressing. Oh. Cheapest joke. Anyway, so they said, would you like to talk to the founder of the Red Hot Mamas about menopause? And so I wondered if the Red Hot Mon- Mamas were some comedy act or some band or something. Please, Because I think they're coming to the Aladdin. I think they're... I swear to God, I think they're coming to the Aladdin. And I didn't know if it was somebody I should care about. Probably not. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. In recognition of National uh, Menopause Awareness Month, what is her name? Debbie Giblin? Karen Giblin. 
What an unfortunate name that is. Giblin. Sounds like something comes in a sack tied around your turkey. Um, and the Red Hot Mamas are... Uh, you know, I don't even care enough to read the rest of it. So that's on the pile of guests we won't be talking to. The pile of discarded guests is what that is. They're the Red Hot Mamas education program. Oh, really? Is that like the thing where they come to your school yeah. and they do a We're lot of break dancing? Reading menopause education provider. What is there to be educated about? I mean, really, it's... I mean, I'm not trying to be snarky, but I mean, I understand when you are 12, 13, 14, your body begins to go through changes. You've got to be educated because there's things you got to do uh, every month for the next, you know, whatever, 45 years, however long it is. When is menopause? What is there to educate? Well, life is going to suck for the next six months, and we're done. I mean, I don't understand. You can get a free booklet from TV Radio Mirror delivered in a Quinn John envelope. <laughs> and I believe the Red Hot Mamas are from Coeur d'Alene. Really? Great. Oh, boy. Fantastic. So Coeur d'Alene now has something to give us besides Nazis. Uh... All right. Well, let's get these calls, and then uh, we will give Sarah three choices for how to spend the remaining seven minutes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 I don't know. It says, Ryan has story about animal cop. Well, I guess it wasn't that interesting. That was uh, God's way of taking it away from us. Hello, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, for the love of God, is the phone on? Hi, hello. Hello? Hi. Hello? <laughs> this is... Listen to that. That's Cume Decor. Yes, hello, sir. You're on the air. Uh, I need help. Yeah, okay. Uh, I have a sword neck, Rick, and I know you used to have a computer... You have a, you have a, you have a sword in your neck? No, I have a sword neck because I did something to my computer. Oh. I'm not going to blame it on my girlfriend, but my desktop is upside down. And I don't know how I did it or how to get it back. <laughs> the desktop, what kind of... Let me guess. Do you run a Windows PC, sir? Windows Vista. Yeah. There you go, Tim. You can just have a little smug fest over there. Um... First of all, let me just say this: that I've avoided installing Windows Vista because everything I saw about it warned that it would. They're like, by the way, make sure you back up every single program on your machine because it will erase everything you own. You may never get it back. I, I it came with this machine, so I don't know what to do. So you. T- Am I screwed? So when you say your desktop is upside down, is it just, and keep in mind, I don't use Windows Vista, so I don't really know how it looks. Is it just that the start button and that little bar at the bottom is on the top, or is it literally upside down, like the writing is upside down? It's literally upside down. The start button is on the top right, and everything is upside down. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. Yes, you do. I know you. (laughs) Um... I don't know. Um, if only one one eight hundred nine zero five geek were around to uh, to help no, you. No, but, but unfortunately we're too geeky. No, apparently our audience doesn't need their help. Um, you, you know that's what? Right. They went to another station because we were too geeky. Yes, that's because our because people in our audience couldn't possibly use that service. Um, so uh, so you use Windows Vista. How long have you had? This is a fascinating error. How long have you had uh, the computer? Uh, three months. And so was it. I hate to be asking all these questions, but was it working the last time, like last night? Uh, it was working. I did something to try to change my screensaver. I don't know what I did, and then all of a sudden, uh, the whole thing just went upside down. And I don't, <laughs> now I don't know how to get it back. Thank you, Bill Gates. Thank you so much. Only with a Windows machine. And look, I run a Windows machine everywhere. I, I don't own a single thing from Apple, which is just a did you know. My wife and I are split on the PC Apple thing. She's Apple. I'm PC. It's fine. But as much as I do run Windows PC everywhere, I do understand that Windows PCs will F you like nobody's business. The errors and the glitches on a Windows machine are just straight from hell itself. So 
you were trying to change the screensaver, and now your entire desktop is upside down in Windows Vista. So, um, Scotty, uh, do you know if lot is this other call here? Uh, three is that um, is that about this? You can find out. If not, what we may have you do, Maurice, is just hang on a second. Okay. Uh, and then we'll see if okay. All right, really? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Maurice, uh, I'm going to put you on hold. Okay. Scotty uh, is going to talk to you, and we'll either keep you there or we'll get your phone number, and we'll see if somebody can uh, can tell you what's wrong with that, because I do find that fascinating. Thank you. I really appreciate the help. All right, don't go anywhere. Hold on. All right, Scotty, talk to Mo- Maurice, and uh, see if uh, you see what the deal is here. And we'll have somebody. So if you know why a... Um, if you know why a Windows, like the waves, the waves of happy condescension coming from Tim's corner of the room sometimes, like he doesn't even need to look at me. I can just feel them coming my way. If you know why using Windows Vista and changing the screensaver would suddenly cause your entire desktop to be upside down, uh, please to be telling us now. Um, well, I guess we don't have any time to do anything here, do we? No, we're pretty much out of time. Do we got a break? All right, sure let me is. just read this one short email, then we'll break, and we'll come back with Lisa Goddard and... Uh, your tech support for Maurice suddenly become the Kim Commando show. Um, Rick, I just purchased Youth and Revolt today. I have not laughed out loud in a book uh, in some time. I am 20 pages in. It feels like my preteen years all over again. Can't put it down. I want to sleep, but I cannot. Best show ever. Uh, Neil, full-time listener. So there you go. Another satisfied customer. All right. Uh, we get back. We'll take your calls. We'll uh, solve Maurice's woes, and we'll talk to Lisa Goddard. He stated, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Hey, Rick, what's this? Uh, this email says, what's this problem with Maurice's computer? Say it again, please. I couldn't hear it. I was busy listening to a flawless, glitch-free uh, broadcast of your show on my iPod. Thanks so much. Thanks. All right, so let's uh, bring Maurice back here. So Maurice called yeah. the Rick Emerson Show because for some reason... The screen on your Windows Vista machine just suddenly turned everything upside down. Correct. All right. So let's. Uh, we've got a few calls here. Somebody, somebody may know this. Let's see. Uh, David, you are on the Rick Emerson show with Maurice. Hi, David. David. Hello. Hi. Uh, actually, this is Bruce. Okay. Hello, hello, Bruce. Control Alt Arrow Up. Control Alt Arrow Up. Correct. Control Alt and then any one of the arrows to tell you where. You're telling the computer where you want the top of the screen to be. Now, are you at your computer, Maurice? No, I'm at work. Okay. So, uh, so, so, David, is this like, why would they even have this feature in Windows? This is so like Microsoft. Why would they even create this feature? Well, the only time I've interfaced with this problem was actually an Intel thing. But it allows you to rotate your screen. Some screens you can turn 90 degrees. Oh, I guess that's if you're putting the screen maybe on its side for some insane reason. Yeah, if you're that nutty. <laughs> like if you're just bored and you run out of things to do. All right, so Control-Alt, and then you use the arrows to rotate the screen. Correct. All right, excellent. Thank you, David. You bet. All Thank right, you. Let's, let's do one more here and see if uh, let's do one more here and see if this uh, this works. Hello, Scott. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hey, what's up? What's up? Hey, so I had three possible solutions for him. Yeah. 
One, he should go in and try to change his resolution setting. Um, he, he, you uh, you right-click on, on the main screen, and then you go in there, like basically the same screen that he he probably went in and changed his screensaver. Right. But then there's a setting screen. You can change your resolution. I would try that. Um, if, that if that doesn't work, you can do the, uh, the I mean, the Windows fail-safe, which is uh, just reinstall Windows, which is what we end up doing half the time anyway. Or... If that if that doesn't even work, then you you go find yourself a carpenter, and you have him fashion you something where you can mount your monitors upside down. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that's a great idea. Thank you, Scott. All right, there you go. Uh, and for what it's worth, Maurice, I'm looking at my email, and I got about seven or eight different people who said it is Control Alt and then the arrow keys to rotate your screen, and you can actually put your screen 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 45 degrees for some stupid reason. So Control Alt oh. and then the arrow keys. Okay. All right, thank you, sir. All right. All right, there you go. That's uh, Maurice, ladies and gentlemen. All right. That's just so retarded and so exactly like Microsoft that they would even build that functionality in there. Like, what What possible reason? There is no point. It doesn't even need to be there. All right. Let's. right. I'm not going to dwell. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, I believe this is Lisa Goddard, Sarah Dillon. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Radio Program from the Hills. CNN Radio Correspondent to the Stars, Lisa Goddard. Why, hello. I am Dandy, Lisa. How are you today? Good, good. I survived my first radio um, consultant review. Oh, no. Really? I did. We had a radio consultant review. I knew you guys would be interested. Uh, radio consultants are just the most useless people on earth. <laughs> it really is true. I mean, honestly. You seem like a nice guy. Uh, they always seem like nice guys. <laughs> They always see. I shouldn't say that. I, you know, and I, you know, and I, that's just me being reflexively cynical. Let me. You know, I'll, I'll tell you. I really, when I was in TV, the the TV consultants drove me batty. Let me let me immediately stop and apologize for the broad sweeping nature of that statement. And I will also say, first of all, I don't have a consultant. Uh, we don't have a consultant here. I think largely. All the be, better, exactly. Largely because they're just too cheap. But um, <laughs> the um, really, I mean, I, it's really, I mean, there's that's you know. It's it's we, there's us and then the rest of the station. You know, most of the station's programming is you know it's from different parts of the country, it's from syndicated. So the idea of bringing in a consultant and they always charge just the most exorbitant fees uh, just to deal with this stupid show. Yeah, yeah, it's probably, I don't want to know. I have no idea. It's probably not like an above the line budget expense that CBS is really uh, you know going to be comfortable with in Portland anytime soon. So we don't have a consultant. I will say this. I will apologize for that broad sweeping statement simply because. <laughs> Uh, early on in my career, uh, there was a consultant, um, and, and I guess I won't, I guess I won't use his name, but there was a consultant early on who was a big believer in me and, and thought that, I mean, and I, you know, I listened back to my early air checks and not to make this all about me, but I listened back to my early air checks and I just, I sucked. I was terrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you think Good. I am, play those. You have those. You should play those sometimes. Oh no, we have. We've played. We've played lots of. Oh you, really? Okay. You fantastic. haven't heard the air checks of me being like a top forty DJ. I mean, if you really <laughs> want to hear something <laughs> awful, um, but I mean, early on in my talk career, if you think I'm hyperactive and just spasmodic now, I mean, you have no idea how bad I used to be. But there was this guy who heard my air checks and 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 believed that there was some small spark of something or other, you know, the, the, the small acorn from which a moderate-sized uh, oak would one day grow. <laughs> and he really uh, worked with me a lot and helped bring out a lot of the things that I needed to be doing more of and helped me ditch, you know, the things that I needed to be doing less of. I will say that guy 
uh, was a big help to me. Him and a guy named Bruce Agler, who was uh, my program director here in Portland for a long time. Th- so those guys, I will say, because they gave me really specific, really concrete advice. And I don't know what kind of advice your consultant gives you. I work real well with concrete, finite, very specific suggestions, as opposed to sort of vagueness like, well, you need to have a little more sizzle, you know, which really <laughs> means nothing. So anyway... That being said, uh, that guy being the exception in terms of consulting, most consultants are just the most useless wastes of skin and air on this planet. I mean, really, honestly. Now, if I can ask, and I don't want to pry too much about this now, did you know that you were going to be having this, or did they spring it on you? I did know. I knew. In fact, we were, I got, you know, it's incredibly well organized. I, I got noticed two weeks ago, one week ago, yesterday. What I did not know, because this was over the phone, was that he was, <laughs> this consultant was in a room with, my boss, my boss's boss, and my boss's boss, boss. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. Here's what happened the last time we worked for somebody in Portland. Uh, when we worked for a different company here in Portland, Oregon, we were at a different station uh, down the road, as they say, uh, and it, it, they did the worst possible thing. This guy who was my program director, and this is about three years ago, they did the worst possible thing. And I already knew that they didn't really have a lot of faith in the show. I already knew that they were not, as they claimed to be, big believers in the Rick Emerson brand. And so what the program director did, he, he was like, it's like PD, look, it's not like I'm some genius, but he did like PD 101 uh, mistakes, where he actually told me in advance, he said, hey, by the way, tomorrow on uh, Thursday, uh, the consultant is going to be here in town, so he'll be listening to tomorrow's show and, you know, making some notes, so just keep that in mind. That is like the last thing, if you're a talent of any kind on the air, the last thing of, uh, that you ever want to know is that there is a consultant who does in some way have your career in the palm of his hand, yeah. sitting in a room somewhere listening to your broadcast because you always tailor everything you do to that one guy and it, it just infiltrates and just poisons every single second of the show because it's all you can think about. And so, of course, I went and did like the worst show of my life. I mean, it just sucks. It was terrible. Um, and then I had this, and so I got off the air and he's like, hey, well, so-and-so will meet you across the hall. And I went and sat with this consultant knowing I had just done a terrible show because of uh, you know, because right. I was doing it all to this one guy. So thinking, right? Anyway, so I'm sorry. I, I feel. Apparently... No, I'm, you know, I'm glad we talked about this, Rick. <laughs> Sound like my shrink. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I had this you whole thing to, to unburden. About this. I didn't realize I needed to unburden myself so much <laughs> about consultants, but I. I mean, so I hope your wow. experience is better than that. But uh, but consultants, I mean, it can be. It's like when you're uh, new in radio and you start having your first air check sessions. You know. Yes. Where you sit in the the office with the program director, and he pulls a random 25 minutes uh, from sometime in the last week, and you both sit and listen to your show uh, for 20 minutes in dead silence, and it's just excruciating. Yes, 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 yes. No, you know, it wasn't too bad. I was really, you know, and that was the surprise is when the speakerphone picks up, and, you know, all three bosses are there along with this guy. That was the sort of... <gasps> But yeah, apparently he says he did. He says my writing sparkles, which makes me nervous because I do fear that other correspondents are being told you need more sparkle in your in your sizzle kind of way, in a way that I'm not sure what that means. But it was positive. Now, and I uh, now, if I may ask this, and again, I don't want to uh, ask more than I'm than I'm supposed to ask. But now, is this is, is he? Consulting your on-screen uh, shots, your 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 radio shots, right. uh, both, neither. He's he's ba- he was basing it. My understanding was most of it was based on those 
uh, what I do at the top of the hour, those 35 seconds, sure. you know, here's what's going on in Washington, here's somebody who said something, and here's me saying something after they said it, and here's somebody else. And did you know, you may have already said this, did you know that uh, that you were being monitored when you did those shots no. that he was... No, I had no idea, and they said, you know, he's picking at random some of your live shots from the last couple of weeks, so I have I had no idea. Well, that's absolutely the way to do it, though. If you gotta, if you right. have to be consulted, if somebody is going to sit and do an air check session with you, that is so much the way to do it as opposed to telling you in advance. Like, the single worst thing you can do to anybody who's on the air is tell them a consultant is in town listening. Right. So, anyway. All right. Well, I'm sure you passed your plan. You know what? You just it, was that... it was definitely, it was a, it was strange, I mean, it's a strange experience, you know, but but it was it was good. It was positive. You have that guy talk to me. I'll, uh, if you have any, if you have any <laughs> issues, I'll straighten him out. I'll, I'll tell him what's what. I will tell, I'll, I'll pass it on. Um. Yeah, I, hey, we've got, we've got doings up here. Totally. And I, and again, I, I, I apologize for doing like a 10 minute rant on consultants there. It was <laughs> sort of like you discovered it some weird, it needed to happen. Some mother load of radio stress that I've been holding back. All these years. So here's the thing about Larry Craig, Senator Larry Craig of Idaho, who, quote, could reconsider his resignation. Mm. Here's how I know that's not going to happen, because God doesn't love me that much. <laughs> I, With all the horrible things I have done in my life, there is no way that I have sufficient karma for Larry Craig to now try to come back out of retirement and not resign. You know, it, it, does, it does make you wonder. But when I heard him say on Saturday, it's my intent to resign by September 30th, I, you know, I said... That is a weird way to say that, and I wonder what's going on. And sure enough, it became clear pretty soon. In fact, that day we realized that they, how how hard he planned to fight in court to try and reverse his guilty plea. And that's when I said, oh, that's what's going on here. Is he is is holding out hope in his mind that this guilty plea will be reversed and somehow he can get back his Senate job. What's amazing about all this? Oh. Excuse me, someone's calling me. Probably a consultant. <laughs> I'll turn that off. Um, what's amazing is that that in his mind, I think it, it's not just this I, this holding out hope, but that it went one step farther, and that his uh, or one step further rather, and his actual press secretary told the press, right, if he gets it reversed, he might not resign. Does, and that, that they that that is something they are seriously thinking about. So but the GOP has just got to be freaking out about that. It's, yeah, it's dropping like a lead balloon here in, in Washington, except with Senator Arlen inspector of Pennsylvania, he was on Fox News on Sunday, and he said, he's a former prosecutor, he said, I think that this conviction shouldn't stand, I think he's got a good legal case, and I think he should fight it. What he didn't say on Fox, but what Larry Craig's people tell us, is that Specter called Craig on Friday before he announced his resignation and told him this, and that because of that, according to Craig's people, uh, Craig put those words in there. It's my intent to resign. And that this whole legal argument, uh, according to the Senator Craig's folks, kind of came from another senator, Arlen Specter. So just a few minutes ago, I went down and a bunch of reporters were trying to get Specter to explain exactly what's going on here, exactly what he said and why. And and he, he wouldn't. He, he did laugh. He said, listen, I'm not going to say anything more. I said what I said, and that's it. Now, this is just the most Jesuit parsing of the language. I mean, this really is the what is the definition of is. That is, a, that is Washington for you. I mean, if it's all hinging on this intent, and, I, and if I, and this is my editorial opinion, it, it, what he clearly doesn't understand is that it doesn't matter whether he gets uh, the guilty plea overturned or whatever. If, if I may speak as a person who spent a great deal of time in and around Idaho, 
The problem for him is he's a Republican who looks like he's a closeted gay. That's the problem. That's it. If you're in Idaho uh, and you are a, a, a gay person of any stripe, whether you're closeted or open, that's an issue. And, I mean, especially if you're a Republican. That's, and, and the fact that he was engaged in, regardless of one's persuasion, what one might view as sleazy behavior... I, he just, just the, the, and I said this yesterday about his kids, but I'll say it about him today. Just the, the self-delusion that is happening here is just can't even be calculated. I, I think you raise a real point. I think that he, however, is harboring hope that so, somewhere he's telling himself that maybe there's some kind of shot. But it, it does seem every legal scholar in Idaho and many in the Senate are saying they just don't think he can get this overturned in a month if, if he can do it at all. But you're right. This is not. You know, and I, I was thinking and talking about this over the weekend, that this really is uh, sort of a worst-case scenario for Republicans. They've had a member who resigned, but yet they're not reaping the one benefit you get from that, which is the story ends. The story right. is actually – because you have a member who's resigned from a guilty plea in court, and yet he's still around. And, and in fact, we CNN has someone staked out at Senator Craig's office because we think he may be coming to town. It's, and if there's rumors flying around the Hill that he is here, it, it's, it's really become this almost mythical type of story. Oh, it's fantastic. Really? No, it's been too long since we've had one of these. I mean, really, honestly. Yeah. So It is bizarre. And it's, it's just a bizarre day in Washington. We've also heard we've had a congressman from Ohio, Paul Gilmore, dead, dead in his apartment here in Washington this morning. Yeah. Uh, not clear what happened, a 68-year-old. Uh, Republican. Not sure what happened there. Also, uh, another former congresswoman, Jennifer Dunn, has died in her Alexandria house. Uh, she had a, a pulmonary embolism. And it's just a lot of strange stories today. We've also got Senator Tim Johnson. He's that senator uh, who basically had the sort of tangled blood vessels in his brain. That, right, right. But, yeah, he came back today. He just finished giving his first speech back on the floor of the Senate. And meanwhile, all of these, all of these stories about Iraq are starting to pop, and it's really – really going to get quite hectic, but it's so strange that you have this major week where we all usually would be focusing on a few things like Iraq, budget bills, those types of stories, but we're not. We're focused on all these other bizarre, I think, stories that may have You should uh, start, reach. start floating the conspiracy theory that Craig was pushed to reconsider his resignation so we won't pay attention to Iraq. <laughs> You know, they, they're serious. There's kooks who will, you know, they, you just, they'll eat that up. Um, to paraphrase, uh, and I know we're running overtime here, but to paraphrase legal, anal legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin, uh, there is this sense of political vertigo this week where everything is just a little off, off center. That everything... is a great, I didn't hear him say that. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, that's actually from a book, that's from his book, A Vast Conspiracy, about the Clinton-Lewinsky affair. Oh, when, that's great. And when he, he talks about how there was the, Flint had the bounty on Republicans. Paraphrasing Hillary, right. And, yeah, and everybody started, you know, there was, it seemed like there was a resignation every three days, and he said there was a sense of national vertigo, um, which I've always loved. I've always loved that little bit of, uh, that's a word jewel, as Hunter Thompson would say. That uh, is a word jewel, and that's exactly what it's like. It's just bizarre up here today. Very, very quickly here, somebody has asked, I think you may have said this, was the Rick Emerson, was the Rick Emerson show a part of Lisa's consultation? I would love to hear a consultant try to analyze these. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't. I was hoping. I actually was hoping it would. And the topic did come up. Do you approach different live shots different ways? And, and so the Rick Emerson show did come up. I said, you know, it's a little the Rick. Take the Rick Emerson show versus, uh, say, KDK in Pittsburgh, which is in, you know your yeah. all news station. Sure. I said very, very different. And I, you know, I can Rick Emerson. I can kind of relax and just say what I want. I don't have to 
no, 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 parse it so much. <laughs> With a little sound effect there. You know, and this is this is where I get myself into trouble. I, and I was trying to make my point that I almost said, but I think it was probably wise that I didn't. I almost said, you know, that show really. I'm so relaxed that um, I've even been bleeped out on that. <laughs> but, but but something in my head's just. You know. Probably better that you avoided that little uh, conversational arterial. All right. Unfortunately, I think. As uh, as always, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. It's a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, Lisa. All right, talk to you later. All right, there you go. Lisa Goddard, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right, and the uh, beeping sound you heard there was, I think, Mark Shearer, who's calling. Shearer? Uh, let's see. All right, there he is. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from the city that never sleeps, CNN radio correspondent Mark Shearer. Hello, sir. Hey, guys, how are you today? I'm fine. Sorry, I apologize, but you had difficulty getting through Lisa Goddard, and uh, we were sort of running overtime there. What's up, my brother? Well, what do you want to talk about, uh, bad, evil toys or um, taxi drivers? You're fantastic. That's what you are. Let's um, Two things. A, Sarah Dillon, uh, who's our producer here, is going to New York City. Please tell me that the taxi cab strike will be still uh, going on when she's there, because I know there's, I'm going to I'm London. I'm going to be there on the 14th. I, there's going to be a tube strike while I'm in London, so there, there ought to be a taxi strike while she's in New York. I hate to tell you this, but it's a tempest in a taxi cab. It's uh, not uh, it's not having much of an effect, oh. and it's only going to go for two days if well. it goes at all. <laughs> well, all right. Well, never mind. Yeah, good luck without any tube stops. Shut up. All right. So uh, what are the Chinese trying to kill us with today, Mark? Just more lead paint. You know, it's, uh, it, it seems what to is, be effective. I don't mean, look, if I could just ask this point blank, what is it we did to the Chinese? Why, why all the hate? Why all the lead, Mark? Well, I think there's a little matter of a railroad that um, they, uh, we, we, <laughs> yes, you know, we kind of I suppose, I, maybe, I, it just, I mean, has the, I guess the question needs to be asked, have they just been sending us lethal toys for like 40 years and we just noticed it, or, I mean, really, because it seems like now every single thing that's coming from China is, you know, filled with uh, plutonium and death and hate, so it, has this been happening for a long time and we just picked up on it? Well, we do have this thing called the Consumer Product Safety Commission that is supposed to check the safety of products. Have they not been checking, or has, is this a lead paint, just like a recent business? That remains to be seen. I, I, who, you know, this would take a, a, a couple more Woodward and Bernsteins, I think, to go back and see if uh, this kind of problem has been overlooked for a considerable amount of time, or if it's just something new that they... We, you know, we're on the job and on the watch for and got. So uh, for parents who are out there, this is what? This is another batch of toys from Mattel? Yeah, this is the third time for Mattel. A couple of other companies have been uh, had problems with this, too. This time uh, this time it's, it's, a, it's a brush with Barbie. The Barbie doll herself uh, so far is okay, but some of her accessories like the Barbie kitchen and the Barbie bathroom, I think, uh, those play sets, those are uh, being recalled. Barbie, uh, well, I, I don't have a joke there. Uh, except to say this. Here's, I'm going to give you a little joke. You can use this in your future live shots. So it's a brush with Barbie set that has lead in it. It might kill you. So here you can go. It's a brush with death. See, no, no, no. A I brush would, with death. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. It's not a brush. I said that, that this uh, this paint scare brushes Barbie but doesn't oh, her. No. I thought, oh, see, I thought the no. name of the product was a brush with Barbie. Like it was one of those big he the doll heads that you brush the hair of. No, no, no. Oh, see, my comedy's falling apart. I have nothing. It would have been great. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you for the pat on the back. I have that. Thanks. Thanks so much. Um, all right. Is there? Is it just a Mattel.com if people want to find out more? Because we do have a lot of parents. Every time we have the story, if they want to know, like, where can they find out their kids' toys are going to, you know, it's are actually, lethal. It's actually www.service.mattel.com. Service.mattel.com. And it is uh, Mattel with uh, two T's, one L. Service.mattel.com.
uh, dot com. Is it is it overreacting uh, to say that if you look on your kids' toys and it says made in China, you ought to be, uh, you, you know, and you just bought them, you ought to be looking into it? No, because 80% of the toys made worldwide are made in China. And so I don't think it's, uh, I don't think you can jump to the massive conclusion that all toys from China are dangerous. All right, excellent. Mark Shear, as always, my apologies for the delay, and uh, good to speak with you. You have a great day, sir. Take care. Thank you, my friend. There you go. Fantastic. Don't know if he likes me or not. Can't quite tell. Uh, let's see here. What I think he does. I, I think, think that's, that's hello? his attitude. Uh, hello. Hi, sir. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Mom? Yes, you are, sir. Oh, hello. sorry. Hey, I wanted to talk about the uh, top five yesterday. Uh, all right. Hold on. This yeah, is but... this is Scotty's top five. Hold on yeah, a second. Let me... it's about children. Yeah, hold on. Scotty J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me... Good morning, Metolius. Now, good morning, Metolius. Never gets old. Let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show. Scotty J. Our intrepid PA. Hello. Good morning, Wood Village. <laughs> okay, that's funny. That was oh, funny. Scotty. I hate laughing because then he's just going to do it again tomorrow. It encourages him. I know it does. I could have said Woodburn, but I made it Wood Village. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, what was your question, sir? Oh, well, I didn't know you were going to bring Scotty into this. I just uh, had a comment, actually, a quick comment. I, I'm working, but I just want to say, uh, should have thrown in there. I didn't know Scotty made it. I thought you did. But The Adolescents, I Hate Children, my favorite song about the kids. Oh, yeah. the uh, So Scotty did the top five children's songs yesterday. Yeah. You also missed Hell is for Children. You also yeah. missed When the Children Cry. I wouldn't know the Adolescents song because I'm kind of stuck in the 70s and 80s. But I'm working on my 90s uh, knowledge. That was probably 1981, Tim, I would think. Oh, really? Tim Riley. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Riley did make the observation that Dennis Miller's bumper music is very 70s classic rock heavy and that it does sound, and Tim actually put it this way, Tim said, it sounds like Scotty J is doing the music for the Dennis Miller show. <laughs> uh, because it's like, really, it's like a bunch of like, here's Bobby Goldsboro, just a bunch of weird Bobby things that Goldsboro. like, that's what I'm saying, that's what it sounds like. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you. There best. you go. All right, best, yes, I think he was saying best show ever, but who knows. We'll just assume he was. So, uh, anyway, so today we have the top five school songs. Awesome. been assembled by myself. Uh, Scotty? Yes. Before Rick. you go here, we're running a little late, but we'll just go ahead and talk about this. Then we'll break. We'll come back with Tim Riley with the Ministry of Truth. Don't ask me where Iraq is. In No, you've decided that it was in Vienna. Or you know somewhere. where it is. <laughs> in Vienna. Where was Vienna? What continent is Vienna in? Starts with an A. Austria. I thought it was in, like, Italy, but I was way wrong. Yes. Maybe there's a city in Italy called Vienna. Yes, Vienna is on the continent of Austria. You know, uh-huh. Vienna waves goodbye. Are you doing Vienna Calling by Falco? What no. are you doing there? All I right, think well, I was Billy Joel. All right. Anywho. Uh, so uh, we had the magical observation. People have asked us what the Scotty J factoid on Monday was. I noted on my blog that there was a Scotty J factoid, which we were going to talk about yesterday and we didn't. Um, we revealed on Monday that with the purchase of your new home... <laughs> The purchase of your new home, which, and this is, I'm not speaking out of turn here because Scotty mentioned this on the air. This is he, you, you are the one who volunteered this information. Because I had said, I made some reference to your new house, and I said sort of just colloquially like, oh, you're laying down 300 grand on a new house, whatever, you know, however much it cost. And this guy's like, 300? And I said, well, what, how much did it cost? And he goes, 600? So Scotty has moved into a $600,000 home this week, has not sold his last house, uh, has you were talking about your credit card debt, your cars that you have to pay off, and of course you have what two children? Yes, and a dog. Two children and a dog. And a wife. And, and, I and have a wife. Three fish. And three fish. So we did. Re- so we did note. If we did note that if you did sort of conglomerate that all under the heading of just of a you know consumer debt, that you Scotty J, 
are nearly $1 million in debt. As I, I don't think, and I feel kind of good standing next to you because it's sort of interesting. Like, I don't think I've ever known anybody who was a million dollars in debt. That's kind of impressive in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like, you have to work pretty hard to do that. Even yeah. in America, you have to work hard. So, even in <laughs> well, America, which is the land of debt. The reason why, when you were saying 300, I, I, I said double that. Because you felt because insulted. There's a, no, there's a little bit of pain involved in it, and I want you to feel my pain. It, it doesn't come I, yeah, easy. I feel your pain. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. This house is so big. Okay. But here's why I don't. Yeah. Here's why I don't feel your pain. So I walk into the kitchen today, and Scotty is talking to Bozik uh, from KUFO about, well, you know, it looks pretty good. You know, you can come take a look at it. And I thought, oh, God, he's trying to sell his house to Dan Bozik. This is just going to end. Oh, gee. Because you don't, you know, you don't do business with your coworkers because that ends badly. And so when Bozik leaves, and I said, I said, Scotty, are you trying to sell your house to Dan Bozik from KUFO? Because not that Bozik's not a good guy, but I'm like, you know, you're doing business. Of that size with a coworker is a bad idea. You know, it just always ends because then, like they say, don't lend a friend money because you lose the friend and the money. And so I said, are you trying to sell your house to Dan Bozik? And Scotty says, no, I'm trying to sell him this, you know, my TV. And I said, oh, okay. And Scotty says, I have to get rid of it. It's just too big. Uh, life is hard. <laughs> Please do elaborate on the fact that your TV is too big. It's too big by an inch and a half on each side. It's too big for what though? It won't. It won't fit in the. In the new $600,000 home. Right. The way the builder, he, there's a fireplace, and then they have a built-in TV area, so it'll look like it's built in the wall. And, so Scotty uh, has to sell, yeah. what kind of TV is this? Flat screen? Yeah, it's a flat screen. Plasma? Well, no, that's just it. It's rear projection, but it's got DLP technology. It's HD. It's the top of the line. So I mean, Scotty sweet. has to sell his flat screen HD TV because it is, quote, too big <laughs> for his new $600,000 home. <laughs> Dough. Okay, the dough was pretty good there. So there you go. On that note, we'll take a little break. Come back with Tim Riley, who heartily endorses the purchase of real estate. Uh, later on, top five school songs. Uh, we'll talk to Amanda Moyer from CNN Radio and uh, so forth. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tim Riley next. You stay there. Seven three three two nine seventy. But you really, when I just the final is when I picture that place, I always do just picture. Uh, ah, never mind. Never mind. I don't want to talk about it. Nothing. Please. Nothing. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. The library. Shh. Yeah, it's the library. When I picture the library, I don't know why. For some reason, I just picture a lot of girls with one leg. <laughs> I don't know why. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Thank you for coming by, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth. It's Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM nine seventy Solid State Radio. And now from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Apple Computer is slashing the iPhone price. They're going from five hundred ninety nine dollars to three hundred ninety nine. This just came up. They also unveiled an iPod with a touch screen that can browse the Internet wirelessly, fighting to maintain the digital media lead at a time when the company faces renewed attacks from rivals. We can't let that happen. <laughs> Shown up was the iPod Nano with a video screen. The company plans to refresh its entire line of music players. In addition, the iTunes uh, music store will begin selling songs over wireless connections. Look, there's more. 
Dub the iPod Touch. The 8mm thick device can store photos, music, video, and other digital data. It features the same 3.5-inch touch screen display as the iPhone, in which light finger touches allow the user to scroll through uh, menus effortlessly. Yeah, yeah, it's groundbreaking. Uh, use two fingers to resize pictures. You also have the built-in wireless Internet access in the Safari web browser. I will give this uh, to Apple. A, they have really, really great aesthetic sensibilities. Uh, B, they have fantastic marketing. And C, they do have some weird Obi-Wan Kenobi-like ability to mold people's expectations. Like the idea with it, what is it, the, the, the thing they got now, the iPod Nano or whatever the hell it is, where it's like... Mm-hmm. Well, but there's no screen. I can't see what anything's called. You don't need a screen. You don't need to see a display or any information about any of the music on this. All you need is this one button. Well, I, well, this mouse only has one button. You don't need a second button on your mouse. You only need one. Yeah, that's right. I only need one. And he just sort of says it, and people go, yes, and then they all go out and buy black turtlenecks. Meanwhile, getting back to our story... <laughs> Of course, I say this like less than half an hour after a Windows guy called up and his screen was upside down for no reason. <laughs> the new Nano will be in store starting this weekend, and get the price. Uh-huh. The 4-gigabyte version is $149. The 8-gigabyte, $199. Uh, uh, Apple will also uh, sell ringtones for the iPhone for $0.99, cents, plus the $0.99 cent cost of the song. Ringtones for more than 500,000 songs go on sale next week. Wait, hold on. They're going to sell you ringtones for 99 cents plus 99 cents for the cost of the song? Yeah. So it costs you $2 per ringtone? Yeah. See, that's iTunes. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. It's a... Okay, okay, fine. You know, I'm just going to reel myself in. I'm not just not going to do it. I'm not going to flash back to like four months ago. That's fine. Okay, great. Swell. Wonderful. Any other further questions about these new Apple products while we're here? <laughs> no. I don't no, see why okay. they don't advertise with us, really. <laughs> I, I mean, just do they advertise? I, I mean, on, so. on, on, you know, in, in this kind of media? Do they advertise on radio? At one time, a long, long time ago, in a previous show, you had an Apple sponsor until you railed on them for like two hours. <laughs> Is that it true? Back, back in the syndicated days. I don't remember that. You didn't know. Oh, I didn't that realize you, you that. You didn't know your local sponsor. Yeah. Well, so, an Apple so I was bitching about Apple on the national show and the local spot got pulled. Mm-hmm. That is uh, that happened in the past with, uh, I won't specify who, but there was, there was a uh, another program uh, where that happened, uh, mm-hmm. where someone was complaining long and loud about a specific class of product, and immediately all ads by one of the purveyors of that product, it's, I will never again, dear station, please pull all advertising forever. All right. Uh, meanwhile, did you know that popcorn can kill you? Yes. And it's not no. even made in China. Uh, consumers, not just factory workers, may be in danger from fumes from buttery flavoring in microwave popcorn. That was a Windows noise, wasn't it? I'm sorry, I was trying to do video. No, oh, here we go. This seemed appropriate. We cannot be sure that a patient's exposure to butter-flavored microwave popcorn from daily heavy preparation has caused lung disease, says Dr. Cecil. The Denver, Dr. Cecil, really? Of the National Jewish Medical and Research Center in Denver. Oh, this is a new one. We never typed these cases. Popcorn will kill you. Uh, in a July letter made public, it refers to a potentially fatal disease commonly called popcorn lung. <laughs> That's the cutest thing ever to die from. It That's is. what clowns die from. <laughs> Popcorn lung Clowns, disease. Cl- clowns die of popcorn lung and uh, and cotton candyitis. Uh, one national popcorn manufacturer, Weaver Popcorn of Indianapolis, will replace the uh, the cancerous butter. 
answer is butter. Because of consumer concern. This is the best day ever for the weird little phrases mm-hmm. just leaping right off the printed page at us. So uh, Popcorn lung and cancerous butter. This letter is a red flag suggesting that exposure to chemicals is not just killing workers, but may be causing disease in people eating it, too. Well, I don't, well, that under- makes sense, I don't it? understand exactly what what, the, what is killing you about the cancer. The cancer, the popcorn. The, <laughs> I don't the, understand. The butter flavoring. He's filled is with cancer? Is allegedly. And what brand? Well, all, all of them. They I specify suppose. all of them. It's all going to kill you. But this is not if you eat it. This is just if you work in the factory. Yeah. Well, if you... After you cook it, you're also exposed to it once it, Boy, once it cooks. Well, let me just tell you, then we're all dead because if you ever worked at and I suspect it's this way in most American offices, but in radio stations, someone is always microwaving popcorn. Always at every... And it is kind of weird, actually, because it's got that strange sort of viscous, plasticky uh, film all around the inside and everything. Yeah. So, all right, there you go. Popcorn lung and cancerous butter. They'll be playing with Womb Stretcher the Magnificent uh, this uh, weekend somewhere. Nice. But the new iPods are only $149. That's, that's great. That's wonderful. Which makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, fantastic. Well, where should we go from here? I have no idea. Can it be about the iPod all day? It, we... it could be. <laughs> I could discuss the iPod at great length. All you want, really. No, you know, here's the thing, and this is not about the iPod as such, but I know that we were talking about this a few weeks ago, but you know what is a continuing source of frustration to me is that the fact that the airplane that I'm probably going to fly on uh, it's got a microwave popcorn. No, it, well, it, it's, it's that it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't have power outlets. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, is there? Has anybody ever flown an airplane that had power outlets? Nothing out of Portland. No. We get the, like the Model Ts. Well, that's the maybe JetBlue will. Maybe because that is an upscale airline. So I'm wondering oh. if maybe if as they recycle or not recycle, but as they retire and then replenish the plane supply, if I will someday be able to fly in a plane where I can plug. Because you know what I realized is my MP3 player has pretty great battery life, but I mean that's like a 16-hour flight I'm going to be taking. I mean I'll have to try to charge it up at layovers or whatever I guess, but I mean there's just no way it's going to last long enough. So we can buy a charger uh, for 12 bucks. I saw them at Walgreens and also most airports now. For ten bucks, you can uh, buy these pre-charged things. I've seen that; those are co- pretty cool, actually. Yeah. They're like little uh, cartridges that sneak into the back of it. Yeah. Uh, and then, it, you know, the other thing we've seen this—they uh, had this at the Salt Lake Airport. I don't know if they have it anywhere else. It is like a—it's uh, like a kiosk, and it's just a bunch of cables coming out of the wall. Yeah, they have it here. And it's like a doll. Yeah, you put yeah. like five bucks into the little bill changer, and the power suddenly comes onto that cable, and you can stand there. But you have to stand there and watch it. But it's like a supercharger. It charges at like four times the speed. So you can like plug your BlackBerry in, you press the button, you put in $5, and in like 15 minutes, it'll give you like half charge. It'll charge half your BlackBerry, which is not bad, actually. No. So that is because you don't realize how dependent you are on that stuff. Oh, uh, believe me. I can't even imagine how I used to fly. You know what I mean? Was just like a you know a Walkman and one cassette tape. I mean that was it. It was you had nothing. So, all right. Oh, and I am disappointed that all the renovations at PDX have taken away those little Wi-Fi sitting areas with the big screen TVs. They're gone. Really? Yeah. Uh, PDX under. I thought that PDX was fine the way it was. I thought it was one of the best airports. I've always around. loved Portland's uh, airport. I've always thought it was really well laid out. I thought yeah. you know everything is everything's exactly where it needs to be. So now they're monkeying around with it. They, they boarded up everything to start everything all over again. Sons of bitches. So once you get in there, you're stuck with just a bunch of dry snacks. <laughs> um, you know what I think about sometimes? I think about that CNN. Do they still have the CNN airport network? 
Do they have that at PDX? I I think they took that out. They used to have it. I wonder if it still exists. They had it at the San Diego airport, and I think they had it at LAX. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the it was this CNN airport, and it was this weird version. Did you ever see that, Sarah? I think they do because I remember watching the coverage of September 11th as I was getting ready to board on my uh, board my plane. It's well, got it was a, like the an- near the anniversary of it. Yeah, it's got a cool little logo. It's like CNN, and then but it's being skywritten by an airplane. Uh, and I used to sit there and I used to watch it endlessly, and it would just be it was lots of travel news, lots of weather. CNN, the CNN airport network was really um, intriguing to me because it was a lot like one of those late night trucker networks that you hear on like AM radio stations all across the country, which I think is being supplanted by maybe satellite radio or something. But little weird closed circuit offshoots of things like that are really fascinating to me. You know, a place I've never been to, but I've always wanted to go. I've never been to me, Tim. No, I, I've never been to that Denver airport, which was, remember how it was just a huge disaster? Oh, and it was tearing up people's luggage and throwing their underwear all over the truck. <laughs> and it, but it took them like a hundred years to build it. Yeah. They kept trying to open it, and every time they get close to opening it, they would just have to, it was like some sort of vaporware airport where they would, they, well, it's going to be opening next year, you know, and then next year would come, well, no. And then they had to, they delayed it like five or six times. It, it ran into overruns of just, I mean, like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And then it opened, and it just started just, yeah, Everything was wrong. None of the planes could land correctly. The computers all malfunctioned. It would destroy your luggage. So um, I've always kind of wanted to go there just to sort of, it's like seeing the Hubble telescope, just to sort of witness uh, witness the huge catastrophe firsthand. So, all right. Oh, I ran into cat- catastrophe on the way home on the MAX because I took the MAX back and forth to the airport, uh-huh. being a, a public-spirited citizen. Yeah. You get to 82nd Street. and Where everything bad happens. Two cops are holding this guy, trying to cuff him, and he ran loose, and he ran down the railroad tracks. Thank God he didn't run into the car. He would have had a heart attack. <laughs> so the train has to stop there. I didn't know if the guy's in the car or, or where he is. And apparently he crossed the freeway. Oh. Uh, uh. And I don't. And I saw a police car on the other side, so I don't know if they apprehended him or not. But your trip is final, Max, until you get to around 82nd and Park Rose. Well, you know what? That, what they should do at that point is... It's like there used to be those signs when you would get near the Chernobyl uh, area, and there would be, and I think Stephen King famously worked these into, God, what was that book? I think it was the Tommyknockers. Um, but there were these famous signs near the Chernobyl place for a long time where, and they were in they were in Russian, English, German, nine other languages, because apparently the place was so lethal they wanted everyone on Earth to know this. And as you would get closer to Chernobyl, it would actually say, Roll up your windows, turn off your car's air intake system, and drive as fast as your car will go for the next 35 miles. I mean, that was it. It was like, don't breathe, hold your breath, turn off your air conditioning, speed as fast as your car will possibly go until you are 35 miles from the sign. That's what they really ought to do with the Max. You know what I mean? Or the buses. There ought to just be, there ought to be some series of, um, plateauing escalated acceleration levels where as you get closer to 82nd the speed increases so you could just rocket through that hideous area as fast as possible well i was kind of hoping if they did nuke portland as they originally planned to do and didn't they would do that area because it wouldn't be missed well who would really notice if everybody there became some sort of weird genetically malformed creature anyway yeah i mean if everybody there was just dosed with some sort of hideous level of radiation would like would it make any difference at all so all right, uh, somebody, let's see, somebody says about the Denver airport. Who would want to go to Denver, and why would you be there? Well, I don't really know. I think going to Denver is like going to Kennewick. It's like it's on the way to some place that you might really want to be. Oh, that could be. Um, Make itself buy some seas candy. A woman emails, she said, okay, our friend Kathy emails, and she says, on June, I went on a 10-mile hike inside the Denver airport. 
Oh, that sounds cool. It's unbelievably massive. I mean, that's what I've heard. Scotty apparently has been there. Uh, Scotty says that it, uh, inside it looks like a huge white cloud circus tent. Somebody else has told me that, too, actually. Uh, I don't know what these people are calling, but hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Hi, what's up? Hey, I have a book for you about the London Underground. It's by Neil Gaiman, and it's called Neverwhere. The and London, the London Underground, like the the, the, the tube system. Yeah. Yeah. Neil, yeah, really Neil Gaiman of Sandman fame. Is it is it a novel or? Yeah, is it... it's a novel, but it's really cool because it takes place in the present, but it's about two societies: the the uh, the London uh, above, you know, above ground, right. and the London uh, below the ground, and it's like this blend of uh, Mad Max versus, um, oh my goodness. Um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe and a little bit of The Matrix and The Wizard of Oz. What is it called? It's called uh, Neverwhere. Neverwhere. Uh-huh. It's a really cool book. Excellent. I am writing it down right now. Thank you. And the other hint I have for you is to not pick your nose or to uh, grab your crouch in public. I know you, you mean in London or just generally speaking? Especially in London because there are cameras everywhere. That is true. It'll be it'll be on YouTube by tomorrow. Exactly. Tim, you know there's one camera for every 14 citizens in the UK? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. All right, excellent. Thank you. I appreciate the tips. Okay, Thank take care. Bye. Thank you so much. There you go. Hmm. I thought that was going to be one of those things like, you always hear those things which I suspect are sort of made up. Uh, those things like, you know, when you're in Thailand, don't ever put your left foot on your right foot because it means you want to have sex with someone's daughter, you know, or whatever. You, you, they always tell you that hear stuff. Hear that, Larry Craig? It's, when you blow your nose, make sure that you always twitch your head three times and only use your left hand for wiping. Otherwise, it means that, you know, that you have that you are threatening the president. Just, there's these weird cultural customs that I suspect are, uh, I, I think those are a little bit true and a little bit uh, urban legend. Here's Tim Riley. Hey, they want to change the name of Interstate Avenue to Cesar Chavez Boulevard. Any objections? No. Okay, let's do it. Excellent. The renaming of a Portland street is error. That isn't true. They just uh, renamed Rosa Parks Drive. Well, they, Rosa there was Parks Way, which was Portland Avenue. Yeah, and there's that whole well, there's that whole thing because because I guess the, the the city council whoever it is just like rammed it through and like, violated like yeah. every law. And everyone thought they were lost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the sex of <laughs> Where am I? Oh God! I, yeah. Well, and see the thing is that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, that kind of stuff screws me up because I will every time a city does that, I have to get some update to my GPS. Uh, because you know, they know the GPS doesn't know. GPS doesn't know they've renamed it. Mm -hmm. um, so if like I go to my GPS and I punch in like Rosa Parks Boulevard, it's not going to know where the hell I'm going. So is that a thing where they keep both names like Front and NATO for a while and then they gradually transition to to the other? No, I think they change it all at once. So uh, I was wondering what Cesar Chavez had to do with Oregon, but apparently he spent time working and teaching here. Really? Is that true? That's what it says. Okay. Well, excellent. Good for them. Uh, bank was robbed in Beaverton early today, and the suspects took off. Uh, the robbery took place at U.S. Bank on uh, southwest uh, Beaverton Hillsdale Highway. Police said a man armed with a revolver and two accomplices robbed the bank and then took off. They got into a Jeep and drove to Portland. Then they found them driving the wrong way near Washington Park and went after them. The men ditched the uh, Jeep and ran into the woods. Within an hour, they chased them down and cut all three. So that's that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there's a possible uh, crime investigation going on in McMinnville. Apparently, they found a dead body, but so far... All somebody saw was somebody take out a metal barrel. Is that one of several metal barrels to come? Do you ever wonder where those guys get those barrels from? Well, that, and I was wondering. I was I was watching this documentary on barrels of oil last night. <laughs> really? Because well, What a weird thing to be watching. I was watching this documentary about boxes full of tissue. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, barrels of oil. And? and how many barrels of oil come from every country? So I was wondering, where do they keep these barrels of oil? I've never seen barrels of oil stacked anywhere. You know, barrels of oil are sort of like uh, the big bag with the cartoon dollar sign on the front. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, does America imports 5 billion barrels of oil? And I don't really think that's true. I suspect that, ba- that uh, barrels of oil probably are it's probably not even transported in barrels anymore. Where do you get an empty barrel of oil barrel? I don't know. Yeah, that's like when they like talk about... Um, I think that's like when they talk about your flashlight having 5 million candle power or something. Mm-hmm. It's like a weirdly... It's a weirdly outdated unit of measurement for something that probably hasn't come in that measurement for a long time. The only place you will... Cons- and every geek knows that I'm speaking uh, the truth here. The only time you will ever consistently see lots of barrels and crates mm-hmm. uh, is when you are playing uh, some sort of futuristic, uh, post-apocalyptic, wasteland, first-person shooter video game. You cannot get five seconds into a game like Halo without going into a room just filled with... Barrels and crates now only basically exist to be objects for zombies to hide behind in first-person shooting games. That's really the only reason they're even there, so... And you right. see them a lot in old B-movies and warehouses. Totally. And on, uh, uh, down, on the, down by the pier, down uh, by the wharf. And people are running with their fedoras and never come off. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say, and there's a guy who looks like Hal Holbrook and all the president's men down there flicking his cigarette and partially illuminating his face while he whispers to you about some dame. And nobody who gets shot ever bleeds. No. You ever notice that? Those no. are good clean deaths. No, absolutely. There's sort of a transitional period in American movie deaths where in the 50s and 60s people would get shot, no blood, none at all. Then you had like the Bonnie and Clyde and like 70s, uh, God, like, like the original Godfather with Sonny Corleone, machine gun to death, no headshots though, none at all. And then now, and then now we're in the sort of departed era when you get killed, it's a full on, you know, it's a full on splatter fest. Hollywood has very gradually embraced, embraced the, uh, the full body death. Because I was always wondering that, because when the rifle man shot somebody, I mean, wouldn't that take off somebody's limbs? Yes. Instead of them having to just crouch in the fetal position? <laughs> yes, yes, it would. Well, maybe that's why it ended up on the family channel. Uh, just days after announcing he would resign at the end of the month, Larry Craig of Idaho... What's your question? second thoughts. In a phone message obtained by RollCall.com, whatever that is, Craig said he has supporters in his corner. My pot's not up. Oh, it is? Try it again. Hmm. It says it's playing. One moment, please. You're going to find a way to blame this on Bill Gates. Uh, click the, uh, click the, uh, arrow. That click, little arrow there. Is there arrow? No, the little tiny arrows. That, this right one there. here? Click yeah. That. Click that arrow. Now double click that speaker. Double click that speaker. Yep, the volume's up. Darn it all, the heck, what happened? Okay, try double clicking that. Click, click. Okay, now hit play on something. Hit, hit play over here. Hmm, yeah, something, something's wrong with my Jim's, pot. Jim's, uh... Tim's computer is outputting audio. We do have a, uh, an engineer who works here now, don't we? Oh, I did both the input and the output. Yeah. There we go. Okay. There yeah, this go. is remote. What's that all about? I don't know. Because mm. I put it in like that. That's the way it originally was, and it was supposed to be playing. Something wrong with the machine. Okay. Hmm. Now I mean, now I won't play with it. Okay, everything's gone. This is it, the rise of the machine. This, they've achieved self-awareness. See, this is why all those cats have been hanging around together on the street. Have you noticed this fly that is the size of a jumbo jet that is buzzing around in the studio today? It's driving it's me crazy. And it's really, really warm in here, it's... too. Hmm. <sighs> Our lives are really hard. But you know, and Scotty's TV is too big for his new $600,000 house. The new iPod Nintendo uh, <laughs> Nano comes out this week. It's only $149 for a gigabyte. <laughs> well, just days after announcing he will resign, Larry Craig says, well, maybe not. 
And the phone message, did you get that phone? Oh, the phone God. message obtained by RollCall.com. Craig says he has supporters in his corner. Uh, Arlen Specter is now willing to come out in my defense, arguing... Uh, uh, he really ought to quit using the phrase, come out in my defense. Well, mm -hmm. all of that. Having all of that, we've reshaped my statement a little bit to say it is my intent to resign on September 30. Okay. Well, do we think... Here's my thoughts about this. A... Well, A, this, A, it's retarded. B, as I pointed out to Lisa Goddard, there's this idea that he's sitting around going, well, I didn't say I was going to resign. I said it was my intent to resign. They are two completely different things. That really, the, the, the Republicans now have their own equivalent of Bill Clinton sitting there and quibbling over the definition of the word is. Mm -hmm. Also, no one in Idaho is going to care whether or not the charge is, re is reversed at this point. They think he's a guy who hangs around in stalls trying to get it on with other men, which is not going to play well in Pocatello. It just mm -hmm. isn't. It, it, if you're a Republican, that's just... Republicans don't like sex at all between anybody ever of any kind. Never mind sex that's not heterosexual. I was just in the missionary <laughs> position, you cannot do that. As a heterosexual, you cannot do that in a restroom stall no, anyway, even with a woman. <laughs> I mean, it's anything that is anything that is remotely interesting or pleasurable or fun is wrong. So I mean, it, I, the guy is just so. It's interesting because he's he's like if you were to, I think he has San Francisco value. If you were if you were to, if you were he is the San Francisco treat. If you were to um, what was that old joke about Bryce and Tony the San Francisco treats? I don't know. But if, if but if you were to grasp like his political life at this point. And there's like a zero baseline. He is now just so like he's he's like negative like nine now. I mean he's so far beyond hosed, and it's kind of great that he doesn't see it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's sort of wonderful that he is just either delusional or oblivious to the fact. I mean you hear people well his political obituary has I mean his political obituary has been written, published, read, folded, thrown away and is now wrapping fish somewhere down on the pier. I mean his obituary has already been put on microfiche down at the library. That's how long ago it was written. So I mean whatever, I we should send him letters of encouragement encouraging him just like to keep fighting this so it'll stay in the news because it's, it's great. Oh yeah, cuz it's great. Man, I, this is I, this is the best story. If he was a Democrat, they would have put a different spin on this a long time ago. Well, I mean, it's it, that's the thing is that the Democratic electorate is a little more forgiving, uh, you know, on on matters of moral, moral, moral hypocrisy. Barney, Barney Frank, you got caught, I think, paying male prostitutes. That's even worse. Yeah, I mean, wasn't now, and I don't want to speak out of turn here. Is it that Barney Frank was was paying male prostitutes, or was it in fact that they were operating out of his home? I believe they were operating out of his home. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's a real crime. I mean, not that I care about it; it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. But I'm saying, in terms of the law, I mean, that's you know, running like a like a prostitution ring out of your home is that that crosses into the realm of of real criminal behavior. I mean, you should know that that's going on. That's if it's going on in your home, how would you not? Well, I don't know. They kept to themselves. I'm sorry. They kept to themselves in the bedroom, and I didn't ask. And they, you know, I mean, it's I. I mean, of all the things that goes on in one's home, you think you, you might have a clue that, that that is really, really honestly. I mean, Sarah has a neighbor who makes a little too much noise in the morning getting ready for school. And she knows it's going. I mean, she makes a little too much noise putting uh, oatmeal in the microwave, and Sarah is aware of it. The idea that you're running a prostitution ring out of a bedroom in your home and you are somehow oblivious to that fact doesn't really... That's not somebody I want to trust with nuclear launch codes. Do you know what I mean? Um, 
Anyway, but I mean, but the Democratic electorate is a little more forgiving in terms of uh, in terms of moral failings, if one wants to view this as something like that. But Republicans, as I told Lisa, it's it's not that he got convicted of anything. It's not that he tried to weasel out. As we know, politicians of both parties have no problem with somebody being a criminal or a crook or trying to weasel out of something with uh, senatorial privilege. It's the fact that he is from Idaho and they believe he might be the gay. That's it. That's that. You know, his only chance now is just to become a Democrat. That's it. It's the only way he can survive. Here's uh, more of his phone message. He says he's going to continue to fight. I think it is very important for you to make as bold a statement as you are comfortable with this afternoon, and I would hope you could make it in front of the cameras. I think it would help drive the story. Make it in uh, front that, of the cameras. Uh, I'm willing to fight. That I've got quality people out there fighting in my defense. No, you don't. No, I don't no. It's just us, and I and I care for all the wrong reasons, sir. We're not in Idaho. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not in Idaho. I don't plan to be in Idaho. If we had a, a zany morning show there, we might have a chance. You know, the, you know the biggest act. Well, we've told this, and people think it's a joke, but you know the biggest, the biggest talk show uh, right now. One of the biggest talk shows in that area uh, is hosted by uh, the O.J. Simpson cases, Mark Furman. Um, who lives in Sandpoint, Idaho, I believe. It's either Sandpoint or Pocatello. I believe it's Sandpoint. Lives in Sandpoint, Idaho. Uh, does a midday live uh, call-in talk radio program in Spokane. Uh, Mark, Fer- I mean, Mark Furman, who I'm pretty sure it was on tape admitting that he planted evidence while he was a cop. And then, you know, and did the, the whole thing. was accused of planting the bloody glove. It was the guy who denied under oath that he'd ever used the so-called N-word. <laughs> and then they turned up audio of him doing it like a hundred times. That guy is now one of the highest-rated talk show hosts in uh, Spokane, which is right next to Idaho. So that kind of tells you what you need to know about Idaho values. So the idea that What this, is an Idaho value? Uh, I, I don't... I don't... It's just... It's a whole lot of... Uh, I don't know. I have no amusing response to that. No. I mean, really, what what can I say that is more amusing than the fact that Mark Furman is like the highest rated talk show host they've got? Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. Oh Jesus! It's going to become yes. Twelve forty. No, it's twelve thirty-five. I'm sorry. I don't trust your computer though. Your computer is engaging in a lot of wacky behavior over there. In fact, it was some kind of Cylon virus. Um, who wants to take a break? I will. You don't seem enthusiastic about it. Seems like a grudge. I have too much to do. Break? I have no break. Uh, all right. Well, hey, we'll come right back. We'll do more news. There is just even after yesterday, there's a ton to get through today. I haven't even gotten to this Kelly Clarkson story. All right. Uh, later on, we have uh, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer joining us. Top five songs about the children. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Tim Riley continues next. That used to be one of my overcoming objections lines when I tried to be a radio salesperson. Listen to this. Let's see if I got... Is my computer up over here? It's a bit of a crap shirt today. Let's see. I don't know. I haven't listened to this. I don't know how much audio there is with this. Look what the computer wizards at Apple have come up with now. It has the power of these two computers. A built-in disk drive. It can run over 10,000 different programs. You get everything you need to hook it right up to your TV. You can even add a mouse. Introducing the Apple IIc. Now comes the real magic. You can take it home for under $1,300. <laughs> it just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> you know, the Apple commercials, even then, Apple commercials were great. It should feel so good. <sighs> 
Apple too. It's the computer that everybody at work can agree on. Uh, Apple commercials are all great, and I will have to give I'll give this to Apple. I always say this like it's some sort of a rel- we spend a goddamn lot of time talking about Apple computers here. For a computer that is owned by only one person on this show, that really is probably the most impressive thing of all. Actually, is that top of mind awareness or mental real estate, as they say in advertising, of the four people on the show. I think I'm correct in saying that, Tim, you are the only one here who really is an Apple consumer. I won't count my wife. You're the only one who's really an Apple consumer, and yet we spend a disproportionate amount of time talking about Apple. That is really the genius of Steve Jobs. Also the fact, here's the other thing, Steve Jobs will someday be recognized as probably one of the top ten entrepreneurs in the entire 20th century, because people don't realize that Steve Jobs has revolutionized, in whole or in part, three different industries. Uh, he revolutionized personal computing uh, several times. He revolutionized music with the iPod and the and iTunes, uh, and he revolutionized filmmaking. Uh, you know, with his stake in Pixar, which is a company he didn't found as such, but which is a company he certainly guided. Do you realize that Pixar is the most successful film studio in the history of filmmaking? I mean, that guy really is. It is some sort of a weird, freakish, bespectacled Midas touch with that guy. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, this may be the first case of a surveillance camera being used to prove intentional disposal of a banana. The title of this is Banana Bully Pizza Coworker. A man said he found what he thought to be an old banana in the uh, Troy... Banana! The uh, Troy... What's, what's, what does MI stand for? What state is that? Vermont. Vermont. Store where he works. He tossed it into the garbage and didn't give it another thought until a coworker came to the store demanding, Where is that banana? Well, the victim claims to have no knowledge of the banana's whereabouts. The banana owner then reviewed the store's surveillance tape and saw the culprit throwing the banana into the trash. The banana man that allegedly punched his co-worker <laughs> in the head before man. slipping up with a day. Before... <laughs> the banana man. The banana man can't. I don't know what. I was just going to make that joke, actually. And also, for some reason, the banana man reminds me of... Who's that guy? Because I guess it's because it's a Caribbean or a tropical fruit. I was thinking of the, um, who's that guy? The Uncola Man? Never had it. Never will. <laughs> that guy? He's, I think he also is the Banana Man. I think he might double as the Banana Man. Um, Rick, why is China upset with us? Hmm, could it, be, could it be that embassy we bombed a few years back? Hmm, I don't know. As for your inability to recycle, it's not that I have an inability to recycle. I just don't. I have the ability to, to do a lot of things that I don't do. I have the ability to, uh, I don't know, wrap myself in uh, duct tape and toss myself off a highway embankment. I don't do it. Uh, he said, how hard could it be? I bet even Scotty recycles because uh, blah, 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 landfills, blah, 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 children, blah, 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 something or other. I mean, Scotty probably recycles. Well, is it um, in the suburbs? Is it the law? Do you have to recycle? Well, you should because your neighbors are going to see all your recycling bins put out in the morning and they're all going to look to make sure what you're up to. I don't have that problem because by the time I look, by the time morning comes, the trash in front of my house has been picked over so many dozens of times by men pushing shopping carts oh, down the street. Yeah, really, there's no, I mean, that, I guess that's the other thing about the recycling is I don't have to do recycling because the homeless guys take care of that for me. Uh, you know what I mean? Is, if I, I just dump bottles, cans, tra- everything into one can. Uh, by the time I come out the next day, anything that is sellable has already been extracted from there by some guy with a long ZZ Top beard uh, who was then, uh, you know, sort of rattled his way down the street with it. So, you know, it's, it's you know, so it's, a, it's a, you know what it is? It's a symbiotic relationship with uh, with those guys. Well, Larry Burkhead, the biological father of former oh. playmate Anna Nicole Smith's oh. daughter, says oh. that Smith's biography is lies. Oh. 
Nothing but lies. Fiction. I mean, it, it, hopefully it's sitting next to Harry Potter on the in the fiction. Op. Potter, where is... Oh, man. It's lies. Nothing but lies. It's pure fiction. It's, out, it's the most outlandish of claims okay. I've ever heard. You know, the funny thing is, is that if, if, for, as excited as we were about this on Monday, I think we made a note not to talk about it because it was, you know, on the holiday, there's you know, not as many people listening. And so we're like, well, you know, we'll wait and we'll talk about it. And we never talked about it yesterday. So... <laughs> Right here, I hold in my hands from the New York Daily News. Um, now, let me clarify before we plunge headfirst into this, so to speak. Was it Seamus, uh, our P1 Seamus, or was it Sarah who first floated the theory that Burkhead and Stern were lovers and that they had cut a side deal? I think Sarah it was Seamus. Mm. No, Seamus had told me, and I think I said it, but... So you were the mouthpiece. I was the mouthpiece, but I believe it was Seamus that did it. Okay. And he is genius. So when the whole Anna Nicole thing, which seems like it was 10 years ago now, happened, Seamus, who is our... We have to have a title for that guy. What is he? What what is this creature that walks like a man? super fan. You know, somebody told me... I don't want to get sidetracked with this, but... Somebody told me that they thought uh, that they didn't care for the term superfan. They didn't even they found it offensive. All right, I won't say it again. No, I'm just saying. But that, that's a kind of a term that we have always used mm-hmm. to describe people who are very into the show. And it's not a, it's certainly not a derogatory term. It's not no. like you know it's it's, not, it's a perfectly fine term. I myself am a superfan of certain things. Uh, you know, uh, the Aaron Sorkin. I'm an Aaron Sorkin superfan. Um, uh, I'm an Alice Cooper super fan. So we have always used that term super fan. But I had somebody mention to me that they said they didn't um, they didn't really care for it because I think what was what was the reason? It was because they said it. I think it was they said that super fan made them sound crazy. Um, which I mean I guess there are super fans who are crazy, but I mean there's all kinds of people who are crazy. Um, so I don't know what what we always say P one too, but I don't even know if that. Um, but that's kind of a radio term. Anyway, so Seamus, who's, you know, a, a very devoted listener of ours uh, and lives in Colorado, he, as when this Anna Nicole Smith thing was happening, he floated this theory that Larry Burkhead and Howard K. Stone were lovers and had cut a side deal to to uh, split the baby, as it were, uh, and then to split the cash by giving up, you know, the, 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 they would agree with the custody, uh, Stern would agree to give Burkhead the custody, and in exchange, Burkhead would give Stern any cut of the hundreds of millions that Daniel Lynn might get from the Howard Marshall estate. So that's previously on the Anna Nicole Smith show. So now this, this is for the New York Daily News, if you're like the last person who hasn't heard this. It does contain one really great, disturbing, titillating uh, sentence, though. Well, and you know it. And Sarah knows exactly what I'm talking about. An explosive tell-all book about Anna Nicole Smith's sad demise alleges the two men who battled for custody of her baby girl and control of her fortune were secret lovers. The bombshell allegations about the steamy relationship between the Playboy Playmates' longtime companion Howard K. Stern and her baby's biological father, Larry Burkhead, come to light in blonde ambition. You can't call something blonde ambition. That's like a Madonna thing. Well, whatever. The untold story behind Anna Nicole Smith's death. Um, Sorted passages in the soon-to-be-released book by MSNBC journalist, I'm sorry, former MSNBC journalist Rita Cosby, describe how Anna Nicole and her friend allegedly caught Stern and Burkhead with their... With their shirts off and pants around their ankles in a Los Angeles home. Jackie Hatton, described in the book as one of Anna Nicole's closest friends, said the men's were engaged uh, the men's the men were engaged in oral sex. Their bodies were intermingled, said Hatton. It was obvious what was happening. 
The book accuses Burkhead and Stern of cutting a secret deal after Anna Nicole was buried in March with Burkhead getting custody of Daniel Lynn in return for Stern being named executor of the Star's estate. Blah, 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 hundreds of millions of dollars uh, at stake. So now here is the really, really great passage right here. The former stripper allegedly knew that both Burkhead and Stern were gay, uh, the book alleges. But Smith, who is obsessed with Marilyn Monroe, shows Burkhead as her lover because she wanted a blonde, blue-eyed baby, according to Cosby. Here we go. The tell-all claims that Anna Nicole Smith would spread out on her bed. And watch a video allegedly showing Burkhead Stern engaged in oral sex. Quote, over and over and over while Stern worked on his computer in their Bahamas home. Amazingly enough, that's not the best sentence in the article. The fact that Anna Nicole Smith would spread on her bed, presumably nude, while watching this video of Larry uh, Burkhead and Howard Stern getting it on, Howard K. Stern, so watching this video over and over and over again, that's even that's not even the best sentence in the article. The best sentence is the next one. The existence of the video was confirmed by a source yesterday. So how weird is that? I mean, even having Seamus, you know, even him having predicted it like eight months ago, it's still weird. I was honored to be on our oh, next performer's new video. I want this guy to produce my, make me beautiful duets, because he's freaking genius. I don't know, but whatever Cheryl Lashfield with the green Lucy of the two-prong crown, that was great. All right, here's Tim Riley. Then there's this other dead Republican. Representative Paul Gilmore found dead in his apartment. Staffers went to the home of the 68-year-old Republican after he failed to show up for work. And then the cause of death, according to Juan Kett. I love it, Juan Kett. It says here, he died of sexual misadventure. I don't, I, I don't think that's real. Someone is pulling your lariat, Tim. I don't think that's true. Sexual misadventure. How does one... Do, well, I guess it is possible. Mm -hmm. um, this is, what is his name? It doesn't matter. Uh, Representative <laughs> Paul Gilmore. He's a Republican. It doesn't matter. Representative Paul Gilmore. Fantastic. He's a 68-year-old Republican. All right. So that's like um, what is it? With two different uh, two different Congress people that are dead today. Yeah. Larry Craig is saying he's not going to resign. What's his name? The guy whose brain exploded while he was in Congress last year. Apparently, he's back at work today. So that's uh, fantastic. It's a great time. It really is. It's just it's a wonderful day inside a wonderful week inside a wonderful month. Uh, oh, somebody has a comment about barrels of oil. Yes, about oil barrels, sir. Hey, yeah, if you're yes. looking for them, they're, uh, they're giving them away free out on Highway 30 by the waste transfer station. They're giving away barrels? Yeah, like those big 50-gallon oil barrels. They're giving, giving empty ones away. Fantastic. I totally want to go get one. And then just, uh, you know, just to keep jujubes in or something. I yeah, mean, I... some bodies. <laughs> Really? That's that's wonderful. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate that. Bye now. The way it was, the, the thing that sold that was how he trailed off at the end. Mm -hmm. It's like a whole lot of oh, battery bodies. I'm gonna kill. Kill. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hello, sir. 
Hey, how you doing? This is Anthony from Phoenix. I called yesterday. I got cut off. Oh, this is uh, um, Anthony from You were on hold at the end of yesterday's program, uh, and uh, we were not able to get to your call. What's up, sir? Hey, um, now yesterday I, I listened to the uh, podcast. You start the show off with uh, three, two, one contact. Yes, sir. And um, I was just, I was just wondering if you remember the Bloodhound Gang. Whenever there's trouble, we're there on the double. We're the Bloodhound Gang. If you've got the crime, yeah. we've got the time. We're the Bloodhound That's Gang. That's right. Hello, Bloodhound uh, Detective Agency. Mr. Bloodhound isn't here. <laughs> yeah. Outstanding. And um, I, I want to talk to uh, uh, Tim because he was talking about he just get back from uh, California when it was kind of hot. Tim, yes. it was kind of hot there. It was kind of hot there. As a matter of fact, wait a minute, I get the latest. Uh, it was 116 when we talked to Jim Roop, and there was no air conditioning. Heat is blamed for the deaths of 16. Really? Yeah, in California. Yeah. So far. Where are you? You're in Phoenix, though. Yeah, you guys got to man up because we had 32 days worth over 112. Actually, well, you have to expect that in Arizona. I mean, really, I guess yeah, people, here's the thing, That's sir. why the Mexicans gave it up so easily. <laughs> yeah, seriously. They went into air conditioned it, then they came back over the We board. want this land. All right, gringo, it is your funeral. Where is it? Where are you from originally, sir? Oh, excuse me? Where are you from originally, sir? Uh, I'm originally from New York, and I moved up to uh, Oregon for about six months, and I've been down... Here for about five years. So you're from New York, now you're in Phoenix. So, of course, I mean, yeah, here's the thing you have to know, is that Californians There's are... There's a lot of New Yorkers down here. I'm just saying Californians are a soft people. Uh, they're, <laughs> they really are. They're a soft, sponge-like people. They uh, they don't deal well with... Uh, with uh, look, I will say this. When I when I lived in San Diego, I worked at a 7-Eleven. Uh, before I moved here, I was unemployed, working at a, a graveyard shift at a 7-Eleven. And this sounds like a, a dumb Californian story, but it's true. That it was at like 72 degrees. I mean, room temperature. I think that is the definition of room temperature. And a guy came in and bought a whole bunch of those Duraflame logs. And I said to him, I said, what, what gives? Why are you buying all these Duraflame logs? And he looked at me like I was from Mars. He goes, because it's cold. And then he's like, what? And I'm like, well, all right. So there you go. So they're just, they're, they're not a hardy people, sir. Not like you. Oh, okay. Um, and I got one more thing. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I, uh, Started down here, you know. I told everybody about you know work about the uh, program and everything. And yes. I've got like three or four people singing "Chocolate Rain" now. Work is this funny? Excellent. What kind? Work, I see, singing what, "Chocolate Rain." What kind of work do you do? Uh, I work uh, at a state hospital. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We spread the word and uh, keep listening online, sir. And you call us anytime. And uh, also, I got a, a, a remix of Chocolate Rain. It's called Copter Rain, you know, from the uh, helicopters and everything. Cops, so. and, cops and Rain. That's all right. <laughs> Copter Rain. Thank you. Bye now. All right, sir. Yeah. I thought he said cops, but I realized it was Copter Rain because Phoenix and the crashing and the. Uh... Thank you. That's it's too soon, sir. Too soon. It's too soon. Here's Tim Riley. Yeah, 16 people dead in California, including an elderly couple in Valley Village, who told their neighbors they were trying to keep their air conditioner off to save money. Why would? Okay. This is not oh, the worth money. It. Yeah, you can spend that money on a casket. No, cremation's only at 35 bucks over the coupon. <sighs> All right. Well, now you can get the special extra grievy package. Uh, this email says, good news, everyone. Labyrinth was just released on a two-disc special anniversary DVD this week. Interviews with the entire cast, new commentary, two new documentaries. Signed, let's all head to CD Game Exchange, shall we? Thank you, sir. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Bill Clinton was on Letterman last night. He told Dave... He doesn't have any plans to be his vice, vice president should she be elected. I just don't believe that it's consistent with the spirit of the Constitution for someone who's been president twice to be elected vice president. I just don't think it's constitutional. You know, I love Bill Clinton so much because, yeah. A, no one He how, takes it off of him. Totally. And it's passive. It's the passive voice there. He's not saying he wouldn't do it. And he's, never, he's not saying he wouldn't. 
He's not ruling it out. But he's saying, well, I don't, you know, the spirit of the whatever. And he's he's trying to, he, I hate, Larry, I hate the fact that I lapse into doing Larry that Craig Yeah, but he's, you know, he's doing it like only Clinton can. He's just such a master. He is just such a, uh, he's just a silver tongue, you know. He's like, he's almost like Mario Cuomo in that regard. Just, just such a great speaker. Um, but I also love how he just sticks it in. To the to the to the GOP right there. Somebody who was elected twice, you know, just bam, which is like a double, which is a double kick because it reminds everybody on the right that he was elected twice, and it also reminds everybody on the right that he was, you know, actually legally elected. So there you go. God bless. You. I love Bill Clinton. Has no, it really? And it, it almost has nothing to do with politics. He's just a cool guy. I mean, you know, he really is. He knows he has to be careful with the words he chooses. I got ten rules about coming here tonight. <laughs> don't make news, don't make news, don't make news, don't make news. See, and you know, how great is that guy? He just takes it all, he just, he is the Teflon president, he really is. That guy just takes all the hits and there's just nothing you can do. The greatest moment, and I don't even mean this in a partisan sense, just as, a, just as an observer of American life and political culture, the greatest moment... I don't think I was on the air when this happened. I don't that I know I wasn't because I was still in San Diego. Um, during the Clinton-Lewinsky thing, that's actually when Bruce Agler and I were emailing back and forth about me maybe coming and taking the job here in Portland. Uh, I was still living in San Diego uh, when the uh, Star Report came out and all that. But I remember, like, in, in, in the depths, like in the murkiest depths of the Monica Lewinsky scandal, when he was, like, on television lying, and I did not have sexual relations with him, wearing the tie that she gave him. Where I mean, what a pimp! Really, honestly, I, I hate to be another white guy using that word, but there's just no other there's no other way to describe it. Just the strongest of all pimp hands. I mean, a titanium, an adamantium pimp hand is what that guy had. Please stop saying no pimp hands. He's, he's the only time I'll ever say that because there's no other way to describe it. I mean, just seriously, on television, wearing the tie Monica Lewinsky gave him. Well, it was a tasteful tie. And then saying, Monica, I don't know any Monica. <laughs> I mean, the stones on him. I mean, that guy can't even ride a bike. These He's got stones so big. Um, but at the height of the Monica Lewinsky scandal that they did, the Republicans couldn't wait to roll out some sort of public opinion poll. And it came back uh, that it was like the highest approval ratings he'd ever had in his life. It was like 74% approval rating. The highest approval ratings of his entire career were at the height of the Monica Lewinsky scandal. I mean, it's like that scene in, in Private Parts where Paul Giamatti's, but if they hate him, why do they listen? I mean, it's just, it was so great. Just the greatest moment. Really, being an American rules, it just does. Because you just, this is the only, because our country is so messed up. Like, our sense of morality in this country and our sense of hypocrisy is just so off the charts, unbelievable. This is the only country where you get things like this, because we've got this weird, twisted, Puritan approach to everything. Well, did you see that picture of, uh, what's that guy's name, Sam Brownback? Yeah. He made this campaign stop in New Hampshire. Nobody attended his yes. speech. I, I did see that. Oh, speaking of which, I've got and we're going to run late here on KCMB oh, Portland, God. so we'll just do. Uh, we've, we've sort of stopped taking that last break, and we just sort of roll it into the next one, which is fine. Um, oh, by the way, Sarah, did you know that you, I did tell you Labyrinth is playing at the Hollywood yes, Theater. Yes, yes, many people have. A clean 35-millimeter print. I know. Now. That sounds awesome. Uh, you're not going to go, are you? I can Probably hear it in your not, voice. Yeah, that just, sounds great. I just watched Labyrinth like twice in the past week, and it does sound cool to see it in the theater. I don't know. I might, but Music Fest Northwest is coming up, so I'm going to be going to shows every night. It's true. I do have this John McCain. Uh, oh, yeah. We haven't heard that one yet. Here's the thing. It's not... It's not as good as you thought it would be, um, it, because it, it, the description makes it sound much more interesting. Because it's the kid says, "Hey, you're really old. 
uh, are you worried if you get elected you're going to die or get Alzheimer's? Mm -hmm. And the way it's written is McCain responds with, you know, shut up, jerk, or whatever. It's really not that interesting. McCain handles the question really well. Well, he fumbles at the beginning only by using he, – he does that um, that fake man of the people thing where he goes, well, I am out of touch with the, young, with the music that my young daughter listens to. <laughs> and he does some joke about hiding his own Easter eggs, you know, Alzheimer's joke. But, but then, he, then he addresses it. He does exactly what they always have to do. He starts with a joke. You know, the Hollywood Square's way that politicians answer questions. He starts with a joke, and then he does the real response. But then he brilliantly, at the end, he tags it with the, you jerk, and the audience loves it. Mm-hmm. The audience just eats it up. He really handles it well. And then he try, he does, he does, he overstays it one punchline too many, though. Because then at the end, he makes a joke that goes over left, less well. He goes, and you're drafted. And the crowd doesn't really laugh at that, because I don't think that's a funny joke these days. But Yes, sir. Um, if elected, do you see older than Ronald Reagan making you the oldest president? Do you ever worry that like you might die in office or get It's so funny that, that they laugh at that. that well, you know, my kids, my children for many, many years have questioned my my uh, awareness. <laughs> Uh, I don't pay attention to some of the music that they like. Uh, in fact, when I do pay attention to it, I uh, must say that it's not, uh, they're not my favorites. Uh, uh, some, uh, I think it was my son, one of my sons that alleged that I'm getting to the point where I hide my own Easter eggs. <laughs> but I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't think, uh, look, uh, when you saw my 95-year-old mother there, I think you saw the kind of genes that I have. I work 24-7. I'm very active. I enjoy life. I am involved and engaged. And people will judge, uh, will judge by the vigor and the enthusiasm associated with our campaign. Every campaign I've ever been in my life, I've out-campaigned all of my opponents, and, uh, and I'm confident that I will. Thanks for the question, you old jerk. <laughs> See, they love it. He, he, he handles it well, but then he overstays. Uh-huh. He does one too many tags here. <laughs> I mean, they even, and, but they even laugh at that, and that's actually not that funny, and they laugh at it. So it's, I was hoping that he would just snap and be a curmudgeon, but he actually played it off pretty well. I mean, he's not going to be elected anything. That time has passed, but I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you know, but he's John McCain. What are you going to do? Uh, let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll talk to CNN Radio Correspondent Amanda Moyer. That does sound like fun. Well, because we're getting closer to 9-11, it's time for the government to remind us that we need them. And here we go again. Three men have been arrested in Germany on uh, suspicion of planning a massive terrorist attack at American facilities in that country. Speaking through an interpreter at a news conference, Germany's federal prosecutor, who apparently was never taught English, uh, said that they were prevented from carrying out their deadly attacks. Thanks to an excellent month-long joint investigation between local and state police, we've managed to follow and uncover planning and preparation, and as a result, have prevented massive bomb attacks. I find news reports from Britain for some reason to be inherently unbelievable. I don't know why. Germany. Is it? But I mean, well, who is the woman then? She sounds British. She's an interpreter. Well, she may be originally from Britain. Because here's the thing. There's two things about the British accent. A... People with the British accent sound smarter. Just like an average guy off the street with a British accent sounds smarter than the average American. It's just some linguistic thing. It's the way your brain hears that, that, that way of speaking. But B, I think because all, for some reason, 
all futuristic sci-fi movies, all like post-apocalyptic, uh, like anything that is sort of like a dystopian take on the sci-fi world, they're all set in Britain for some reason. It's always gray and it's always raining. And there's always a big 1984-type screen with a British woman going, the Prime Minister today announced further rationing of sugars and other foodstuffs. And I mean, and, it, and so I think every time I hear a British newscaster, I immediately assume it's just a big parcel of lies. Just a big tissue of lies given to us by the government. Oh, by the way, Sarah, speaking of, um, speaking of a futuristic, uh, a post-apocalyptic wasteland, uh-huh. you will be happy to know uh, that I've had a couple people stop by my office and ask uh, who The Handmaid's Tale is by. Awesome. Including, like, AEs, and I didn't even know that they read. And they came by my office like, what is that book, The Handmaid's, what's it? And I said, The Handmaid's Tale, Margaret Atwood. That's great, I'm going to pick me up one of them. And they were just apparently so... I just want somebody to read Girlfriend in a Coma and see, because I don't know anybody else who's ever read it, and you read it, and you didn't really like it. But I want to meet somebody who... Who like yeah. it as much as I it's did. A, it's a good book. I don't like it as much as you did. Uh, you know. But again, as I've, I've said, it's a, Girlfriend in a Coma to me is sort of like uh, super bad, which I saw over the weekend. In my opinion, not the best work and not as good as some people make it out to be, but still probably better than most other things out there right now. Uh, God, that book is 10 years old. Is Girlfriend in a Coma 10 years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty far back there. The thing about that guy Copeland, he is so prolific. I mean, he's got he does like a book a year. I mean, he's I think there's like four or five Copeland books now. I used to read every one as soon as they came out. But he sort of is like the Stephen King of Gen X pop literature. I mean, he writes like a book a year because I still have never read All Families Are Psychotic. I haven't read Eleanor Rigby. I haven't read Hey Nostradamus. I haven't read J-Pod. So I'm like four Copeland novels down. All right. What's the uh, matter with you? I, I don't know. I don't know how to love. Oh, you mean. Uh, but before, okay, so hey, stick around, Tim Riley, because in a moment we'll play an amusing soundbite from a uh, television anchor person. Uh, oh, that's uh, in the meantime, in between time, let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, our good friend Amanda Moyer. Hi, Amanda. How you doing? Hi, I'm well today. How are you? I am fantastic. Have you seen Jim Roop today? I have seen Jim Roop today. Give him a firm handshake for us. Tell him everybody at the uh, tell him all the guys at the station house are pulling for him. I will tell him that. All right. Hey, two things. A uh, Steve Fawcett, this is the multi-billionaire guy who floats around the world in a balloon because he's got nothing better to do, right? This guy. That's right. He holds a lot of world records and all kinds of bizarre things. I'm going to try to take my personal feelings out of this because I find it irritating that a guy with more money than God basically does some sort of billionaire sort of scrapbooking and then it, and then it demands news coverage of something that H.G. Wells did like 140 years ago. But he's what is it, he's missing. But it's because he was on he was what looking for some some other venue to break some other world record it was like a land speed record or a, a, a speed distance record. What was he doing? Where is he? Okay, well, he took off from a private airstrip near Urington, which is in Nevada, in good weather. He left Monday in a single-engine plane, and he just planned to come back in three hours. So this wasn't um, a special uh, thing that he was doing, anything dangerous. He was just going to fly around and check out this area because he was searching for dry lake beds on which he could test a vehicle in an attempt to set a world land speed record. But he wasn't doing that at that time. He was just looking. I thought everybody kind of. I thought the Bonneville Salt Flats were where, where all of that stuff took place. It seems like there were there are only a finite number of places in the country where you could be uh, doing something like that. It seems like if you're a multimillionaire, if you're like one minute uh, overdue, that you're a person that people notice the absence of pretty quickly. Like they get the uh, the search party after you right away. Well, and plus because he's done so many um, things that have caught people's attention, like breaking the world flight distance record, and he flew that uh, hot air balloon around the world. I think he was the first person to do that, the solo balloon flight, and that got a lot of attention. 
Um, and one other, and I'm looking here, this is just a note that I made that Laura said that there was some uh, news about Chris Benoit that had come out, and we'd kind of moved on from that. But was it? Uh, did you have something new about Chris Benoit? Well, yes, uh, there was the sports um, – this whole thing with the Sports Legacy Institute, they did some uh, examinations on his brain matter, and they found that brain damage caused by multiple concussions might actually have contributed to the deaths of Benoit and his wife and his son. So they're saying it may have been that versus steroids. I was just going to say, did we ever get a definitive answer on whether it seemed like we heard conflicting reports because there was steroids in the house, and then we heard that they were hers, and then we heard that he had some in his body. I mean, is there a way to determine whether he had uh, enough of something in his body to sort of exacerbate whatever craziness was already there? No, and I don't think we're ever really going to know. We do know that that testing that you're referring to, he had roughly ten times the normal level of testosterone in his system, which could have been steroids, but they're saying not necessarily. So uh, these new studies on his brain, and uh, they found a lot of dead brain cells and damage that mimicked uh, stuff that you would see in Alzheimer's patients. So some interesting findings today. All right. CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer in Atlanta. Thank you, Amanda. (laughs) Sure. All right. There you go. Thank you so much. There you go. Fantastic. I completely spaced on the Chris Benoit thing. I knew there was some second thing I had to ask her about, uh, but I couldn't remember what it was. All right. So there you go. So he was uh, not only crazy on steroids, but had brain damage. So and we're done. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Where the hell is this other news reporter thing? Uh, let's see here. I had Somebody had asked me. Let's see. Is this it? Somebody had asked me about the news reporter um, who was talking about the double death on the highway. And then just begun, it begins to giggle uh, sort of uncontrollably. And while looking for it, I found a couple. Of, did you have, was it, did you, do you have the Owen Wilson one? Um, no, but I can find it. If you can find it, let me see if I can get this here. This is Jay Warren from, I believe the station, I apologize for getting this wrong, I believe the station is uh, WSLS. Um, and I had been playing this for a while, and somebody, somebody had requested it, and I had gone back and they had taken it down. Apparently the, the station is really annoyed at the existence of this video. So, But I, uh, I have an archive copy of it. So this is Jay Warren, I believe it's WSLS, reporting on a uh, double highway death and really, the great part about this, not the story, but the great part about the juxtaposition of his laughter is that he really begins to, as the camera cuts away from him, you can see it really is great. It is the corner of his mouth twitching because you can tell that the urge to giggle has already begun. And he's just trying to, trying to, trying to hold it together. And he can't quite do it. And just as he begins laughing, they cut to what I believe is a picture of literally a charred and smoking body. It's literally, it's literally... Oh, man. I mean, and I'm not trying to lie, but I mean, look, they're dead, nothing I can do about it now, whatever. I'm commenting on him. I'm not trying to make a light of the death, but... What state was this in? Uh, well, wherever WSLS is. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't have my... It doesn't name. matter. I don't have my... It doesn't... Some state that doesn't matter. It's not here. Yeah. Um, but just as they cut, just as they cut to the picture of a body, which I think is actually still smoking, yeah, it's in uh, WSLS TV... It is in, um, is it, where'd you say it was? Actually, one place in Virginia. Wisconsin, and then this says Virginia. Roanoke slash Lynchburg, Virginia. It's from Fallwell Country. Um, welcome to Fallwell Country. Uh, the, um, but just as they cut to the smoking body, that's when he just, the rails really come off the train here. A fire crash leaves three people dead. Police in Nebraska say a rental truck carrying two people lost control. Crossed the median and collided head-on with a semi-truck. Both trucks burst into flames, and witnesses say there were several explosions. 
<laughs> Excuse me. I don't have the uh, video. The two people the in the room. <laughs> the two people in the room truck and the driver of the semi. This is a sad story. Excuse me. We're That's the best part. They had fires contained in about 10 minutes. Let's hear that one more time. A fire crashed. These three people dead. Police in Nebraska say a rental truck carrying two people lost control, crossed the median, and collided head-on with a semi-truck. Both trucks burst into flames, and witnesses say there were several explosions. Body? <laughs> Excuse me. The two people in the room... <laughs> The two people in the rental truck and the driver of the semi. This is a sad story. Excuse me. Were killed. Crews say they had fires contained in about 10 minutes. It's just gold. It's just one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, and then, do you have the? Uh, this is the. Uh, would you, where is this? What is this we're about to hear, sir? Um, you know it doesn't say. I got like four of these over here. I, the people have been sending these to me now. It's become a new thing. People have latched onto. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think they identify themselves, though. But this is somebody talking about Owen Wilson. No, this is, yeah, this is something called the skinny. Okay. Here Good go. morning. Good morning. What's you know what time it is? There you go. It's skinny time, baby. Skinny time. I was so funny earlier. I want to know about skinny. Well, that's the problem. We, we're starting the skinny with a yeah. serious story, and we were laughing. We'll explain we'll, we'll, why we'll in a minute. But yeah. first of all, this is uh, tragic news here. Owen Wilson, a lot of... Uh, <laughs> There we go already. Anyway, poor Owen, says the graphic. He apparently tried to kill himself, which is terribly serious, which is why you should not be laughing right now, Taina. Um, he overdosed or tried to um, on pills and split his wrist. This is according to the New York Post, which, as you can see, they were nice enough to put this on their front page here. He's still in the hospital. There he is. Um, but anyway, he's in the hospital in Los Angeles asking for his privacy terribly sad situation. Yeah. Uh, apparently he suffers from depression. <laughs> None of this is funny. We're not laughing at this story. We're just going to move along here. Now, this is the local newscast. Oh, it's so like immature. an ABC network. Thing. Yeah, seriously. Can you back it up to where she laughs right over the he suffers from depression? I'll laugh. Yeah, this is a national show. We're just going to move along here. Post or tried to um, on pills and split his wrist. This is according to the New York Post, which, as you can see, they were nice enough to put this on their front page here. He's still in the hospital. There he is. Um, but anyway, he's in the hospital in Los Angeles asking for his privacy. Terribly sad situation. Yeah. Uh Apparently he suffers from depression. <laughs> None of this is funny. I'm not laughing at this story. We're just going to move along here. You're not going to tell him. That's wonderful. All right. What a mean lady. All right. I got. We got two more here. Um, let's see. This is. All right. Let's see here. This is. Uh, this is another newscast. This. Christy, this arrest. Okay. This is from. Oh, this is from. This is from Cairo. This one's from Cairo, which is in Bell uh, This is a Bellingham story. So this is a woman standing on the street, uh, talking about a, uh, a, a some some terror plot that was foiled or some bombing plot. But she's doing a live shot. A man. Here's. You don't need to see the video. I'm just gonna lay out what happens here. This is from Cairo Television, uh, which is in Seattle. A woman is standing on the street. She's doing what they call a stand-up, I believe, which is standing on the street with the microphone, doing the thing you've seen a million times. As you can see behind me, the building, blah, blah, blah. She's standing in front of the building where I guess they found some device. This is a long time ago. They found some device, disabled it, blah, blah, blah. A man on the street who sees that she is doing a live shot runs up behind her to where he is within about a foot 
uh, from her microphone, and then you'll uh, hear the rest. Christy, this arrest sends shockwaves throughout this campus. Students stunned to learn what this federal complaint. Oh my goodness! Just runs right up to her microphone and then runs away. So there you go. So they just ran that. up to her and did yeah, that? Yeah, she's standing on the street doing her stand-up. The guy just runs up from behind her. She doesn't see him because he's coming from behind her. Runs up to the microphone and then runs away. Oh, my God. Final final one, and this comes to us, I believe, from Colorado. This is the final. This is from Colorado here. Um, this is a reporter talking to her male sidekick. The great thing about this one is it comes out of nowhere. This... this there's no reason. This comes out of absolute nowhere. There's no reason why this should happen, and yet it does. This is a female um, reporter or, you know, an anchor talking to her male sidekick about a guy who's climbing Mount Everest. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. Uh, keep in mind, by the way, that the guy she's talking about, the, the deal about this story is that it's the guy who climbed Mount Everest and he's blind. That's the sort of hook. You know, it's the sort of human interest story, blah, 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 and he's blind. An uplifting story for us all. So the hook of the story is he climbed Mount Everest and he's blind. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But... He's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll hear about that. <laughs> well, they're the okay. same thing. Head of the break, a look at the six. Yeah. <laughs> you have to play that again. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll hear about that. <laughs> okay. As we head to the break, a look at the six. Yeah. Do it again. One more, one more time. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. <laughs> we'll hear about that. Okay. Out. As we head to the break, I mean, why? Why? How would that happen? messing with her in the teleprompter? I, I don't know the answer to that. Oh. I don't know how that would happen. So Ron Burgundy. One more time. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll hear about that. Coming okay. Out. As we head to the break, I'll look at the six. I mean, it almost in a weird way I mean, would have been gay. better he's blind. If, she just, if she just hadn't corrected herself. It almost, she corrected herself by saying it again. It almost would have been better if she just kept with the gay thing and just let it go. You know, like, okay, it's gone. She's just gone with the, hey, I thought he was happy. You know, or, or she's not even, not even ever addressed it. You know what I mean? Because if, if you don't draw attention to the mistake, because then people might go, what the? Because then you make the mistake twice if you draw attention Seriously, to it. Seriously, because like, what the? Well, I, well okay, okay, he's gay. And then, then it would have been gone. But by, but by trying to correct it and then saying gay <laughs> no, again. That's pretty confusing because I'd be like, why is that such a big deal if he's gay? And then, and then, but I mean, she says it again and then says blind. Because then your brain just turns off from watching the show and begins thinking, what? After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. <laughs> so we'll hear about that coming okay. out. Okay. the break, a look at the six. Oh, fantastic. 
and take a break here. Back after this, Tim Riley at the bottom of the hour with uh, the news. Top five songs about the children, and it is uh, High Concept Wednesday, so we'll do a High Concept segment uh, later on today. 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Stay right there. Radio program. Coming up uh, in uh, just a few, we have today's top five. Top five songs about school or shul, as they say somewhere. Uh, later on, we have. Uh, well, I don't know what we have later. I got all this stuff. So uh, maybe next hour, just be a big bag of random. A big bag of random garbage. Uh, right now, though, ladies and gentlemen, please pay heed to your new god, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A decomposed whale has washed up on Delray Beach. That's just north of Gearhart. They also found a dead shark. Now, meanwhile, the aquarium staff say the whale is so decomposed that they have a uh, few clues. So I guess, well, I was thinking originally for a listener party, if we get some dynamite and blow it up. That a from Susan idea. Reynolds? No, can I just dynamite from Susan Reynolds? Um, the, maybe the next time she goes to one of her local meetings, they'll have some dynamite for her. Uh, the it's funny you say it now. I, don't, I shouldn't even open my mouth about this because go ahead. I swear to you, this is true, and I and I can't. I won't elaborate because it's probably not going to happen. Um, and if it is if it is going to happen, I don't want to give it away. But I will say, you know, we have uh, we have meetings uh, on Thursday where we talk about stuff that's coming up at the station, or are we going to be is the you know the, the red shirts going to be out somewhere? The street team going to like giving stuff away, or are we going to be, you know, what are are we? Do we have giveaways for on the air? Just you know, promotional meetings talking about stuff that's coming up. And I did the last Thursday's uh, meeting. We were there, and I actually did say. I started a conversation by saying, Susan, can you get some explosives? And she said, why? And I said, because, blah, da, da, blah, da, da, blah. And I laid out I laid out this great idea for a fall promotion. Um, that It'll requ- involve explosives. We required a lot of explosives and goggles and a large open space. And um, you know the great thing about Susan Reynolds, in addition to everything, is that she said, she, she, she just stopped for a second, mm-hmm. and she said, well, you know, I'll look into it. And she wrote it down. That's the great thing, and I'm, I'm not trying to apple polish here, but I, I really do dig working at CBS, and I dig working with her because to she her, can do attitude. She really does, man. I got to tell you, it's, uh, if, if you want to like take over some small country or something, she's the woman you want on your side because it's just like there's nothing that can't be done. Mm-hmm. And she has worked in radio for so long and with so many people. That and I mean this as a compliment. There's no idea too retarded, there's no promotion too silly, there's no request too stupid uh, for her to stop and go. Well, all right, I'll try to make it happen. Like she's been dealing with moronic DJs for so long mm-hmm. uh, that I can actually say to her in a promotions meeting, "Can you get some dynamite?" And she'll go and she just stops and she goes, "Why?" And I said, "Because da 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 da." And she goes, 
Well, I'll look into it. And then she and, I, and the thing is, I know she will. That's the great thing. I know that sometime between now and tomorrow, when we have our weekly meeting again, that she will have looked into explosives and a place where we can set them off. Need dynamite. <laughs> right there. Right there under, like, spinning class. So, uh, excellent. Will it be put in the subway to go off at midnight some night? Uh, no. 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 No, it will not, Tim. Oh. We are not going to be engaging in acts of sabotage, or sabotage, as William Shatner would say, against the government. No, no. No, I wasn't even suggesting. That's wrong. Well, anyway, there's a uh, decomposing whale that's just begging to be blown up. <laughs> Best show ever. All right. Excellent. Well, let's go back and talk about uh, Iraq's young government that has failed to meet 11 of 18 benchmarks well that were done. set by the Congress in May. That's according to a new uh, congressional report, and I guess the uh, person in charge of this uh, testified in front of the government. Of the 18 benchmarks, they really cover three areas, political, economic, and security. Clearly, the least progress has been made on the political front. Then what else will be left? I, I really don't know. There's really no other fronts left. Everything, all the other fronts there have been reduced into tiny little fronty shards. Yeah. It's littering the ground. So there's, is this the, is not this, even a pretzel wagon to be found. Is this the, uh, and I don't want to live in a country with no pretzel wagon. Mm -hmm. Is this, uh, they are the, the pretzel wagons or the canary in the democracy coal mine. Is that General Petraeus? No, that was David Walker, the Comptroller General of the GAO. David Walker, film critic from the Willamette Week? No. Okay. Uh, Nebraska Republican Chuck Hagel asked the GAO's David Walker if Iraq is a functioning government. I think that's a good question. That needs to be answered. And given the fact that significant progress has not been made in improving the living conditions of the Iraqis on a day-to-day -day basis with regard to things that all citizens care about, I think you'd have to say it's dysfunctional. The government is dysfunctional. You know what's weird about that word dysfunctional is that we never used that word until about 15 years ago. But clearly, that's, families. it's a word that did exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, it's a word that was out there. There's, it's not like dysfunctional isn't like cyber scam or, you know, or something that where, where cyber didn't really exist. And so you couldn't have the word cyber scam or cyber whatever. I mean, dysfunctional, all the elements to make that word have existed in the English language, like, forever. And yet we never used it until about 15 years ago. And, by the way, Tim was just turning the pages of the New York Times with his mouth. I just looked over, and no, like a well-trained like Shih Tzu, Tim was just using his mouth to turn the page of the newspaper. Why were you doing that? I didn't believe I was doing that. I swear to God, you were, I don't think you were so. just turning the page of the no, newspaper with your mouth. I think you're seeing things. Okay. He's not turning the face. <laughs> All right, sure. Mouth. Whatever you say, Obi-Wan. I didn't see it. That's what it looked like from here. It looked like you were holding the newspaper. How, how do I turn the page of the newspaper with my mouth? It was pretty impressive, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you were doing. It looked like you were... I don't think so. Okay. No, it wouldn't have even come to mind. Okay. Oh. Was this my segment? Oh, I <laughs> this is the news. Oh, Do we need to play the sounder again to remind you? Wait, no, hold on. Sarah, can you just... Uh, and now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So getting back to this again. Uh -huh. No, I was thinking about your telling words and phrases. You know what? The most overused phrase, and I wish people would stop using it. No. Throwing someone under a bus. I hear that, that a lot. That's been used a million times. I do hear that a lot. In the past two weeks, and it's, it's, we've got to stop throwing people under buses. And it's one of those things that, uh, like, it's, it's, it's sort of, um, 
it's like an analogy that, that somehow there was a secret vote taken, and everyone just decided that the bus was the thing that you were going to be hit by. Mm-hmm. And the way that it was going to happen is you were going to be underneath it, and the way you got underneath it is that someone threw you there. Yeah. And I was apparently out of the country when that memo went out. It's like, it's like everything happening, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Well, so at the end of the day. Think of people thrown to buses? I guess. Well, let's make a list. Well, that's what we have the book for. Maybe that's what the book can be. The book can be a list of people who will be thrown under a bus. Would you like to see thrown under a bus? <laughs> Call the hit line. Uh, there is a disturbing picture being painted about Iraq. It is one of divisive political turbulence, rampant mm-hmm. sectarian violence, and calamitous insecurity, Calamity. in the middle of which are more than 160,000 brave American troops fighting uh, with no end in sight. But in the meantime, Katie Couric's running around. With her pretty little face without a helmet on it. Really? Yeah, look. All these generals have helmets on. She can't get helmet hair, Tim. Oh, that's true. Oh, that really is just silly. Everyone in the... Okay, everyone in this picture has a helmet, flak jacket, Kevlar. And meanwhile, CBS wants her head exposed. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't know why that would be. It's just baffling. I can't imagine why CBS would be demanding that Katie Couric not have head protection in Iraq. <laughs> Take the bubble top off the limo, please. <laughs> but I, what is, this isn't Kevlar, this is cardboard. Shut up! Put it on! All right, there you go. Oh, fantastic. Uh, there is ongoing sectarian violence in Iraq. Oh, critics can say, well, we never should have begun the whole thing. This is what unleashed all of this. Uh, and fair enough. But we are there now. And the question is, really, what do we do? What are the contingency planning situations given this set of events? Who am I? Why am I here? In the meantime, the city of West Hartford, Connecticut, is declaring war on rats. Something must be done. The decision was made that we needed to issue legal notice to those individuals to take immediate rats. The town is presently moving forward to hire a contractor in order to prevent the further migration of any rat. They're issuing notice? Dear Mrs. Frisbee, you are to evict these premises immediately. They're going to the source of the infestation. In conjunction with trying to take care of some of the refuse issues, rats like pretty much the same food we do, so they like to eat what we eat. So garbage and refuse is always something that needs to be properly secured. The town of West Hartford is rolling uh, out an automatic barrel program. Are they rolling out the barrel program? That's correct. Did they really say that? Okay. Hey, by the way, somebody sent me a longer version of this news clip from... God, the, the Chiron is covered up here. It's from Action 7 News, but I can't see the calls hmm. because it's, 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 it does like a little watermark on it. Apparently, apparently, we've got a longer version of this clip where she refers to the Mount Everest climber who is blind as not being blind, but apparently being gay. And then she tried But apparently, we've got a reaction of her male co-anchor. Right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But... He's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll hear about that coming up. Okay. As we head to the break, a look at the 6 o'clock hour. Drug testing our youth. That's the same thing you had, isn't it? Yeah, I thought there was going to be so. It says there's a reaction here. Hold on. Let me keep playing this. Hello. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. That's the reaction of the guys waiting for their live shot there, apparently. I don't think we have... Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have no. There's no response from her, um, from her male uh, co-anchor. I was hoping that he would have some sort of oop to her alley. Eh, apparently not. All right, here's Tim Riley. The Portland Beavers claim they will not be changing their name after all. The fans have voted overwhelmingly to keep the name of the Beavers. Some of the other uh, names proposed were the Thorns, the Wet Socks, the Green Socks, and the Sockeyes. The Wet Socks. The Wet Socks. 
Ew. Is that yeah. like, is the wet sock like oh, the crusty right. towel? Probably. Okay. The green socks or the sock eyes. <laughs> okay. Uh, the organization is working to design a new color scheme, logo, and uniforms for next season. What game is the Portland Beavers? Uh, I don't know. Sarah? I think the football. You don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't think we had a football team here. Are they baseball? I don't think we do either. Maybe baseball. Is it multiple choice? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just keep guessing. You'll get it right. Is it uh, let's football? Go for, let's go for volleyball. Is it high ally? We need a high ally team here. You know, because we were talking, um, somebody had asked the other day, somebody uh, had floated the idea of us doing one of those, like, uh, us as a radio station, the AM 970, like, doing doing one of those things that Portlanders seem to love, one of those kooky sports leagues, you know, where it's like a sports league, but it's kickball. But see, they're all adults, but they're playing kickball. And it was they wanted us to do, like, a, I forget what they, it was like, they wanted us to do, like, a ping pong league or something. And because there's that balls of fury movie coming out and, and whatever, and I and I don't really know that that's a thing that our that our that our people would really grab onto. I don't really know that our audience is into playing like a wacky sport all the time. But you know what we ought to have? Here's the thing. Because I tried years ago before the dodgeball movie even came out, and when you were at Intercom, I was trying to get an intramural radio dodgeball league going, and it never really came together. And I think. I think we are passing the window for doing like a like a zany sports league where you take a dumb sport and do it seriously. It's like some grown up like tetherball league or whatever. Because that'll be the next thing. There'll be some adult tetherball league in Portland. You mark my words. Or lawn darts. I'm surprised that hasn't happened already. It's some some aren't lawn darts illegal? Uh, you know, I Why would they be illegal. See, because they kill people. But you know what? I, I thought so too. But you know what? I thought tetherball was illegal. And you know, not only is tetherball no longer illegal, they actually sell tetherball kits at, like Sears. So is it more of a liability? I, I don't think they were ever illegal. I think they just were voluntarily pulled, like tetherball, for instance, like a lot of schools, because there was always some idiot kid in like uh, you know Wisconsin that like strangled and then you know ruined the fun for everybody else. Um, Anyway, blah, blah, blah. But So instead of doing like a zany sports league, I was thinking, you know what we ought to bring to Portland? High Ally. That's a serious sport right there. We'll get a Portland High Ally League going. All right. Um, we should do the uh, top five here. Scotty, uh, yeah, I am sir. printing now to Becca's printer. I'm printing the top five list. Yeah. Uh, would you uh, do me a favor and please uh, bring that in? That would be fantastic. Uh, let's do one more here, and then we'll do the top five. Well, it seems the B-52 bomber was mistakenly loaded with five nuclear warheads during a flight from North Dakota to Louisiana. The bomb carried advanced missiles as part of a Defense Department program to retire 400 of these missiles. Uh, the officers said the nuclear warheads should have been removed before the missiles were mounted onto pylons, but they weren't. Uh, the Air Force does not permit officials to say whether nuclear warheads were involved. <laughs> So However, they were, all the nuclear weapons are accounted for. So they were just sort of floating around for a while, and nobody really knew where. Yes. That's wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, these missiles were decertified, so that should make everyone feel a little bit better. Decertified? What does that even mean? Well, they're not going to use them on the uh, Russians anymore. No, of course not. They're just stop them on Americans. I was just going to say, they'll use them for top-off or whatever the hell that, is this that thing coming? is. Yes, that is for you. That is, uh, that is today's top five list. All right. Uh, let's see. Where is my... Uh... All right, let me just play this one more time, and then we'll do the top five. A fire crash leaves three people dead. Police in Nebraska say a rental truck carrying two people lost control, crossed the median, and collided head-on with a semi-truck. Both trucks burst into flames, and witnesses say there were several explosions. <laughs> Excuse me. The two people in the rental... <laughs> That's the best one right there. Sounds like you're like falling over. And the driver of the semi... This is a sad story. Excuse me, we're killed. Crews said they had fires contained in about 10 minutes. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But 
he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me, he's blind. So we'll hear about that coming okay. up. Okay. As we head to the break, I'll look at the Five, six. Four, three, two, one, fire. The great thing about that tune is the way her inflection makes it sound like it's a warning. You know what I mean? He's gay. But he's gay. It's just like it's like it is like she. Only gay people can climb mountains. <laughs> no, but it's like a warning that they're climbing mountains. You know what I mean? Watch out. Be careful. Gay people are climbing mountains now. God only knows where they'll turn up next. They may be living among you. They may be climbing at the same time as your children. <laughs> what if there had been children on that mountain? That's just, boy, that, let me just tell you how, and I'm not going to talk about Larry Craig uh, for like another ten minutes at least. How tired are you hearing that? Well, there are children that use that restroom. When clear, I mean, which is, never mind. I'm just saying, yeah, never mind. I'm going to stop myself. i got to rein myself in. There's going to be a whole other Larry Craig thing for like 12 minutes here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley with today's Step 5. And as America's educational institutions once again begin the molding of young minds, we take a moment to celebrate them in song. With these, the top five songs about school. Honorable mention goes to Busted When I Go to School. This really is only, it's honorable mention, and it's just on the list because of the video. Do you know the song? They're like a, you know, they're a British boy band kind of a thing. I think they're British. It's sort of a take on the hot for teacher thing. And it's sort of this, it's, you know, it's kind of one of those pop rock, take that style confections. But A, it's a really catchy song. And the video is fantastic because it just has all of these weird, creepy sequences of like this school teacher who is a large, uh, what we used to call a matronly woman, a large, substantial woman. I believe um, paddling teenage boys in her boudoir. It's a really strange, creepy video. And I'm surprised that MTV played it without editing it. But there is, the video has this section where there is one boy, one teenage boy, sitting in a tree, looking in the teacher's bedroom window, where I do believe she is actually paddling another teenage boy. And it is simultaneously really great and creepy all at once. And then the video, and there's this whole sequence where the guys, it's a three-piece band, where the guys are walking down the street, being followed by about 500 hot girls in in, uh, in like school outfits. So there's that. John Boyd, yeah. And Hot for Teacher will not be on this list. All the songs had to have school in the title. What about School's Out? Bino. Well, see, we were talking, Scott and I were well, talking about, about School's school in Out. Session. We, we decided that just keeping with the spirit of the list, mm -hmm. uh, to paraphrase Bill Clinton, it was not in keeping with the spirit of the list to have a School's Out on here, because this is about school being in. So we decided it would be wrong to do that. So, All right, counting in the top five songs about school. Number five, Jack Black in the School of Rock. The uh, title track for the song of the sa or from the uh, film of the same name. School of Rock, which is a great movie. A movie I shouldn't have liked. This is, we have this in folk music, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And I dig Jack Black. Kind of an ACDC thing. Well, 
I mean, School of Rock is a movie that only works because of Richard Linklater, Mike White, uh, and Jack Black, the guys who wrote it, directed it, and started it. Because the premise of the film, like if they had put Rob Schneider or somebody in this film, I mean, it's... It would have been like straight to video craft. Totally. I mean, it should not have worked, and it especially shouldn't have worked for me. You and I saw this together, didn't we? I think we did, I think we saw it at the Baghdad together. I think so. Okay. A long time ago. And I mean, because the premise, it took forever for me to see it, too. I really put it off because, well, he's a rock and roll teacher who, you know, he starts out hating kids, but then teaches them the power of rock music, which is like, that's like the premise of every bad film ever made, you know, about a teacher who reaches kids through unorthodox uh, methods. But this movie ends up being way more than the sum of its parts. Counting on the top five songs about school, Tim Riley. At number four, Twisted Sister, Be Cruel to Your School. Which I think is off the Come Out and Play album. Kind of one of those overlooked Twisted Sister songs. Alice Cooper's on this track, and this was sort of their attempt to do like a uh, like a 1950s kind of a feel. Got louder guitars. I think there's a saxophone in this later. They're trying to do sort of a, uh, I don't know, like a 50s era meatloafy kind of grease sort of a thing. And I love anything with D. Snyder. There's this full-on, like, Battle to Hell Steinman moment coming up Right there, you get all those female backup singers. Counting on the top five songs about school, Tim Riley. Number three, Extreme and Mother. Don't want to go to school today. This is from, I think, the first Extreme album which is the one that came out before Pornography. I think it wasn't extreme on that band's reunited show when Nuno Betancourt told him to go get bent. Is that show even on anymore? Did they ever actually successfully reunite anybody on that program? I know. All I know about that is that they tried to reunite New Kids on the Block, and Joey McIntyre was the only one who said no. Joey Mac. You know what's coming, though. He just, no, he, was, he just looked like such a dick. I just wanted to punch him in the face. As he, was he fat? No, he was, he was just smug and pretentious and just angry that he, his success now and later years could never match the success that he had when he was a child. So he's just such a, an ass. Oh, he'll cash in. You know, it's, you know, and you... You should have seen, like, the look on his face. He's like, ew, why would I want to do that? And it's, oh, I just dislike him. F that guy. All right. He's my sister's favorite. Really? And your favorite was who? I forget. Donnie. Yeah. I still have the doll with him with the little real hair rat tail. <laughs> real hair? Was it real no, hair? It wasn't real hair, but it was Barbie hair, because the rest of his head was like molded plastic to look like hair, but then it had this little puff of hair in the back that was his rat tail. You, st- you still have the doll? Mm-hmm. Is it worth anything? I don't know. It's not in the packaging, it's not in the obviously. Packaging. But I mean, but that's... But he still has like his uh, jean jacket and like ripped jeans and everything. Fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, counting on the top five songs about school. Number two, the Ramones and Rock and Roll High School. Here's this opening chord that Spectre made uh, Johnny Ramone record, I think, like 57 times. At the point of a gun. Yeah, seriously. With, this is the session two where he had the gun. That opening chord right there, that one chord, 
he made Johnny record that something like 57 times. And yeah, that was the same session where he pulled a gun uh, on Dee Dee Ramone. It's like shooting, blowing holes in the wall of the studio. I love Phil Spector. They really don't make that guy. They don't make him like that anymore. That's before he moved on to his next project, Phil Spector's Wall of Blood. I'm sorry. That was it. Was either that or and that then awful. it was either that or and then he shot me. God, what a great song. I don't think this album is in mono, but boy, it sounds like mono. It's got that big echoey, you know, the, the wall of sound going on there. I just made the loudest records. Down the top five songs about school, Tim Riley. And at long last, everyone was Chuck Berry in School Day. Up in the morning and out to school. Way to hit that poet. Look at you. I haven't lost my touch. Fantastic. American history and tactical man. This is sort of the definitive school anthem. I mean, they're all kind of taken from this one. And this is the song that gave us the phrase, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll. You know, maybe this is a daft thing to say, but, you know, watching Mad Men, even though Mad Men takes place in the rock era, you know, it takes place post-Elvis. You know, if you think about, like, the pre-rock era, like before Chuck Berry, before Bill Haley, Little Richard, it must have just sucked to have been a kid. I mean, being a teenager, when, like, all you really had to listen to was, what, like, a bunch of crap that sounded like the... Como. Yeah, it just sounded like the Andrews Sisters. I mean, I don't mean to sound like some starry-eyed, true believer nitwit or whatever, but, I mean, really, before rock... Young people just had no music of their own, and I'm aware that now there's, you know, there's more than rock. There's, you know, there's rock and there's rap and there's whatever. But I mean, but this was the first time in American history when young people had their own music. I mean, just before this, everything you had to listen to was like Mitch Miller records. I mean, this must have been the worst existence. God, no wonder people were so boring then. I mean, as great as this still sounds to me now, and this was old when I was born. I mean, when I was born, this was almost 20 years old. I mean, I've always had a real thing uh, for this style of rock, even though it was already dated by the time I was born. But I can't even imagine how great this sounded to you if you were a teenager in 1957 or whatever. Drop the corn right into the slot. You've got to hit something that's really hot. All right, coming up uh, next hour, more from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. We'll uh, have another uh, installment of High Concept Wednesday. More of your phone calls. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970. Solid State Radio. Don't go anywhere. Hail, hail, rock and roll. Deliver me from the days of old.
actually makes it even funnier. It does. I didn't think that it would, but it does. Can you you want to play that here? This is this actually is even funnier. Scotty did this. I didn't think it would work, but it does. We interview Eric Weidenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, but he's gay. <laughs> Excellent. They're on the march. Sodomites are coming for your children. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. All right, and we got this guy. Uh, I knew this was going to happen. The guy bitching at me about Britney Spears. Britney Spears. Britney Fox. Rick. I'm sorry. Emerson, 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 it says. The entire week has been a wreck. It was bad enough having to work for the man on Labor Day and celebrating my 38th birthday in an office cubicle. Oh, I'm sorry, few sir. Now, he says, you kicked me like a government mule by leaving girls' school by Brittany Fox. Uh, off today's top five, David and Southeast. Uh, well, you know, we'll play that later. We'll and play... also school's out. Well, Tim was talking about that, and I I felt like that violated the spirit of the list. Because it is a school back in session. I thought that maybe we didn't hold out. You know what I also didn't? For the same reason, I didn't play Graduation Day by Vitamin C, mm. or whatever her name was. Uh, all right. Well, we'll play girls' school into the break, sir. Next break, I will play Brittany Fox into the break for you, David and Southeast, who just celebrated your 30th birthday in a cubicle. All right, Sarah Dillon, it's up to you. What should we do here? Here's, here are your options. Uh, your options are A, uh, High Concept Wednesday, B, Whatever Happened To, uh, or C, I go through this random pile of news and observations. Huh. Well, A and B kind of sound like the same thing. Uh... Well, they're different. I mean, the execution is similar. They're different, different subjects. I know. Which one do you think would be more would interest me more, number one or number two, A or B? Do you have your high concept topic? Yes, I do. I have the high concept topic, which is not show related, and then I have whatever. Some popcorn music, and you can tell me. I have whatever happened to. Yes, hold on a second. Let me. Uh, just one second, everybody. Don't you worry your pretty little heads. We'll be right back. Just uh, where the hell did my popcorn music go? Where the hell are the singing cats? My microphone. Okay, yeah. Where's my interweb music? Hold on. I have interview Eric Weidenmayer, uh, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. <laughs> that really is gold. Hold on a second. Let me find my uh, my interweb instrumental. Where is my? Uh... There we go. All right. All right. It is high concept Wednesday, friends and neighbors. All right. Your high concept topic is this. Here's your high concept uh, topic for Wednesday. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. What is an album you bought for one song, the rest of which was never listened to, ever? There you go. It's high concept Wednesday. There's your topic. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Call the Wild Card line now for That's high great concept idea. Wednesday. Yes. What is an album you bought for one song? An album which you bought for one song, the rest of which was never, ever listened to. Unless you, like, fell asleep with it still on play, and then you woke up and you're like, what the hell is this crap? And then you realized it was some other song later in the record, a song you didn't care about. Why? Because you bought the album for one song. It's uh, 503... 503- 
That's going to get all the spit in my mouth. 503 sorry. 503 overshare. 503 on High Concept Wednesday. Sarah, would you like to contribute the first observation to High Concept Wednesday? I am ashamed to say that, yes, I did buy um, a Puff Daddy record <laughs> because I wanted I'll Be Missing You. Uh, why did you buy the single? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I had it and I've never listened to it. But no, I did. Because why would you? Yeah. But I did listen to Albie Missy. I could not get enough of that song. Was the um, was that the No Way Out album where the, it has so. it's the sort of sepia tone cover where they're all standing? Oh, I on. bought it the summer before my senior. Oh my God, I bought it ten. Oh. Ten years ago, like probably this month. Owned. Ten years ago, Sarah. A decade ago. Oh, my God, that Still means I have, to, I have my youth. high school reunion soon. Oh, my God. When is your high school reunion? Probably next year because I graduated in 98. All right. Let's make sure we talk about that when the time comes. They'll find you, too. Um, all right. What about you? No, that album, No Way Out, has one other good song on it. It has I'll Be Missing You, which isn't really good, but it was a big hit. Um, it's I, Just for my generation, I couldn't listen to it because I just couldn't get the sting thing out of my head. It had Victory featuring Busta Rhymes, which is actually a really great song because it samples going the distance from Rocky. So um, Victory is a good song. So to the extent that I have spent years trying to find a good instrumental of the song Victory by uh, by Puff Daddy and the Family. That so is the good 10 years you've been doing 10 it. 10 years. I remember exactly where I was when that record came out, too. Living in Salt Lake City. Goddamn, we're old. Uh, we're old. My, my record that I bought uh, for one song... I bought the Starship Knee Deep in the Hoopla record for We Built This City. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! And there are other singles on there. It had Sarah, I think. Sarah! It had that, and it had... Um, oh, I also bought Bonnie Tyler's album just for Totally Clips of the Heart. Oh, Faster Than the Speed of Night? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Is there anything else that's good on there? No. I have a collection of hers. I've never heard, like, a Bonnie Tyler... Like an LP of hers all the way through. Yeah, I bought that Starship album. That Sadly, that Starship album, I think, was the first sort of grown-up record I ever bought for myself. Like, it was the first record that wasn't given to me, and it was the first record I bought that wasn't like a Disney record, you know, like a kid's record or something. I think when I was given money, or probably a gift certificate, and I went to, like, Woolworths and was like, I'm going to buy a grown-up rock record for myself. I think that Starship Knee Deep in the Hoopla was the first record I ever bought. Bought it for one song. Uh, which is We Built the City, and I don't think I ever listened to the rest of it again. Ever, ever, ever. All right, it's High Concept Wednesday. What is a record you bought for one song, the rest of which was never listened to? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hi, how are you, Rick? What's up? 1977, I was a sophomore in school, and I bought, I don't even know the name of the album anymore, by the Climax Blues Band with that crap song, Couldn't Get It Right, <laughs> and the rest of the album is awful as well. Yeah, no, and that was, and that was, uh, 78, I mean... It was in the album era, but it was still a little bit of that thing where, like, they'd have the hit single, and the record company knew that the hit single was good, and so they wouldn't make it available as a single, and they'd stick a bunch of other dreck on an album and force you to buy the whole album. It was horrible. Yeah, excellent. Good submission, sir. Thank you. Thanks. All right, it is High Concept Wednesday. Uh, records you bought for one song, the rest of which were never listened to. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, the album is Filter Short Bus. I can't remember the song. I was so disgusted that the rest of the CD was crap. I never listened to it again. Uh, hey Man, Nice Shot is the song you're thinking of. That's the one. Yeah. And that's another thing where you, you ask yourself, like, why did I not just buy the single for this? What is my problem? Yeah, exactly. It's a good classic, Was I Drunk When I Bought This deal. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like a terrible, terrible knockoff of Nine Inch Nails, that whole record. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, but a poor knockoff. It, it wasn't even a good listenable knockoff. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that, like, two of the guys in Filter were, like, studio musicians who worked with Nine Inch Nails, and they just decided that that made them rock stars, and therefore they, they deserved a whole record of their crap. Yeah. I think you're right. The, the only other one I did was the Meat Puppets, Too High to Die, and the rest of it was crap, too. Too High to Die, which probably yeah. had that song Backwater on it. That was the one. Yeah, Backwater, one good song, whole album of crap. Excellent. Well done, sir. Thank you. See, these are problems that the kids today won't have uh, because we are. Did you read that article in the Oregonian about the closing of Music Millennium? No. Because they closed the one on 23rd, uh, which is, you know, uh, you know, times change, things happen. What are you going to do? Economic reality. It is kind of sad, though. I saw some cool acts kind of played, and we, for Bigger Than Jesus, Joni and I um, filmed some some stuff there. Uh, there's some of the stuff on the Bigger Than Jesus DVD we shot there, and Terry Courier has always been a really good friend uh, to me and 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 to us, and so he's uh, you know he's a good guy. So you know the other locations still open, but they you know it, it, we were in a singles culture in the '60s, then we became an album culture. Now we're back to being a singles culture because of online you know stuff and iTunes and whatever. And it's you know what are you gonna do? Uh, hi, but the kids today won't have this problem of buying a whole album because you don't need. That's why the Beatles won't sell their crap on iTunes because oh. they they want to force people to buy a whole album. Hello, sir. Uh, what is an album you bought for one song? Ah, I got Harvey Danger, Flagpole Sitter, and the rest of it just sounded like, uh... Ass? Vomit. Vomit. <laughs> I was going for ass, you went for the other end of the body. Um, well, yeah, close yeah. enough either way, it was bad. It, the rest of it, and I don't know those guys, and I've never heard anything else that they've done, but that seems like a band where the rest of their records would just be unbelievably smug and irritating. Um, that would have elevated it to a higher plane. It was worse than that, it was unfocused and just crap. Actually, unfocused and crap. Yep. One and a half stars. All right, uh, Harvey Danger Flag, also known as the I'm Not Sick But I'm Not Well song. Yeah, that was the one, but uh, the rest of it was sick and not well. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's crap, but it's not good. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What is a, an album you bought for one song, the rest of which was never listened to? Hello? Hi there. Hi. Yes. Hey, yeah, um... Quiet Riot Mental Health. Uh, the album. Come on, feel yeah. the noise. No, it's. Here's the thing. Really? And I, I want you to take this seriously. Now, this little bit of advice. If you are still a hard rock fan, how old are you, sir? I am 36. Okay, so we are. Uh, we're very much the same age. I'm 34. Very close. Um, really, if you still consider yourself a hard rock fan, I would strongly encourage you. Uh, to to go back and give the rest of Metal Health a listen. That is actually a really strong record. It actually there's a couple clunky tracks on there, a couple things that don't need to be there. But it actually is a really strong hard rock album. It still holds up today. There's a, especially the songs uh, Slick Black Cadillac uh, and uh, Run for Cover. Those are some great album tracks. I would encourage you to give those a listen. Well, when you uh, listen to Slade do it, it's much better. Well, that's that's the thing. Is you can't yeah. you have to put yeah. the original out of your head because if yeah. you're thinking of the original, it's like me with that Puff Daddy Sting thing. If you keep thinking of the original, you'll never appreciate uh, the remake. Yeah. But uh, oh. listen, okay. he's not convinced. Totally right, writing right. it off. All right, thank you. All right, thank yeah, you. That guy's not gonna yep. be swayed. Also, you know, it's weird that he said that because do you ever get a weird thing in your head while you're trying to sleep and you start fixating and it's on something over and over and over in your mind? Yeah. And you can't. Yep. 
Last night, as I was trying to fall asleep, I kept thinking about not mental health, but I kept thinking about the follow-up. How weird is this? Last night while I was trying to sleep, I forgot all about this, I kept thinking about the Quiet Riot album Condition Critical, um, which is an overlooked album. Uh, Condition Critical featuring Mama, We're All Crazy Now, another Slade cover. Uh, it's also got the... Um, God, what else is on there? It's got Sign of the Times and um, Stomp Your Hands. I mean, it's just a, you know, a really strong record. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. High Concept Wednesday. What is an album you bought for one song, the rest of which you never listened to? Hey, Rick, I love your show, by the way. Thank you, sir. Hey, don't laugh at this, okay? Well, I can't. I'm no one to laugh at anyone, sir. Okay, in 1985, I was living and suffering in Salt Lake City uh-huh. as a Jack Mormon. Okay. <laughs> and there was a song by AHA. Take uh, On Me? Yeah, Take On Me. I bought the album. bought the cassette. I don't even remember what the album was called. I don't even know the name of another AHA song. But I bought it for that. The rest of the album sucked, man. Oh, yeah. And did you, did you even, did you listen to it, just read the album once, and you're like, F this. I'm never listening to this again. I actually sold it at Music Millennium about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> was that when you were watching Laverness? Yeah, seriously. But it's a uh, how much song, but the rest of the album sucked. How much, uh, how much did they give you for that? Uh, 50 cents. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Yes, well done, sir. Excellent. Thank you. All right, there you go. Yeah, the 80s were a bad time for one-hit wonders. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Concept Wednesday. What's up? Hey, yeah, I've got this one. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the song or the band, or excuse me, the name of the song or the album, but uh, this band called Junior Senior, it was like three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. I had this really cool kind of hip uh, pop dance thing and uh, bought the album and didn't realize that uh, after the fact it's the kind of album that gets a lot of play in certain clubs that I might not frequent here in Portland too often. Yes, the kind of club, you mean the kind of clubs where perhaps everyone is um... more wide stanced than me, maybe. <laughs> wide stanced, way to go. That's like yeah. a wardrobe malfunction. That's a new bit yeah. of lingo. Wide stanced, okay, yeah. Yeah. So you know that was kind of disheartening. Not that I'm uh, that way or anything, but uh, not that you climb Mount Everest. Sure, <laughs> I would uh. never climb. But uh, the other thing about Filter was I have bought and rebought that album for that one song at least three or four times. Each time, Why? Each time, uh, who knows? Uh, you know, it, it was they did draw me in with that fake Nine Inch Nails sound. No, but first. I mean, but why would you have purchased the album four times? Like, would you lose it and then decided you needed that one song so badly you had to go purchase it again? <laughs> I'm just inviting it here. Yeah, I, I don't know. Who knows? It was uh, poor decision many times over. But uh, that, that's yeah. okay. You know, it, it, other end of the spectrum. I have actually purchased three separate times in my life Slayer's Rain in Blood album because. <laughs> It's because I know it's supposedly like this metal masterwork, and it's like the greatest metal album ever. And I know that this will make me sound like a big pussy, but it's just too hard. It's just too heavy. It's too loud. It's too hard. I can't take it. It's 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 just too much. And I am old. I know, no, but you know what? I bought Rain and Blood for the first time when I was like 18, because all I ever heard was greatest metal album ever, produced by Rick Rubin, legendary, definitive Slayer. And I will say it's the definitive Slayer, but you know what? I remember putting it on and just being like, I, I just can't listen to this. It's just too much. And I think twice more over about the next five years, I bought Rain and Blood. And every time I was like, it's just it's just too paint-peelingly heavy. I just can't listen to it. All Sounds right. like another high, good high-concept topic. Excellent. There you go, sir. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, we'll do finish up this bank, then we'll break. Uh, it is High Concept Wednesday. It is albums you bought for one song, the rest of which were never listened to. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello? Hi. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, <clears throat> okay, feeling very old. Um, bought Bay City Rollers for Saturday night. Of course you did. Mm-hmm. Well, because what else are you going to buy it for? Oh, really? my gosh. Yeah. I'm sorry. Do you realize they are the, I think that they're the biggest selling band in the history of Scotland. 
Oh. It could be, but I, I'll tell you what, for like two years, and the first thing in the morning on the way to school, my parents used to just detest me because I'd blast that song out of my room. Yeah, but but I will give you this, you know, S S A T U R D A Y, not a bad song. It's a great song. Um, the, you know who's the biggest fan of the Bay City Rollers is Don Geronimo from the Don and Mike show. He, I listen to him every night. He had about two years ago, year and a half ago, he had in studio with them the guy who fronts, I guess, this new not new, but I mean, whatever the version of the Bay City Rollers is that's around now, the tours, the guy who fronts the Bay City Rollers was in the studio with Don and Mike, and then Don Geronimo knew these, like, the most obscure Bay City Roller songs you could possibly imagine. It was really unbelievable. If you can find a copy of that show with the Bay City Rollers guy and Don and Mike, get to listen to it. Oh, he rose on geekdom for me just then. Could I, just one quick thing for Sarah? Yeah. yeah. I just finished on the background. I'm doing dishes and listening to your show. Judge Mathis just had Show Me Pink. Do you remember that band? Uh, show me the pink. Show me the pink. Yeah, yeah, they're we a local band. That. Can we say that? Judge Mathis just okay. had the whole band show me the pink on. That's very weird. Yeah, they're they a were local just group. they were suing each other. The gal who who heads the band and her boyfriend were suing another boy who or another guy who was in the band. No and way. And it was important. Yeah, no not way. even twenty minutes ago. It was Judge Mathis. It, well, it, maybe tomorrow. It, he runs from one to two. Well, never mind. But that was, you know, it was Show Me the Pink, and I recognized him, and I thought, Sarah, because I've been to one of their concerts. Wait, is it, a, is it a rerun, or did it look like it just happened? It looked like it was almost new. That is it, so out of the It looked like it, because, you know, we're in September, new sweet stuff. So I think it might have been new. But I tried to call like an hour and a half ago when they were actually on the air to get Sarah. Yeah. And see if she remembered him because I actually was at one of their shows. Yeah, yeah, they're really interesting because they all swap instruments throughout the entire thing. They are they they're a local oh, band? The whole show was really rowdy. The, yeah. I mean, they got uh, the nasty on both sides. Yeah. It was just, and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, if it's on the same time, I thought Sarah would like to like switch and take a peek. But... I mean, the only thing that's kind of off-putting is they're, uh, they've got like, some ridiculous costumes that they wear. Like they'll, they'll switch wigs and stuff, but right. they're really good. Well, and frankly, I think they might be really well as, as, if they didn't talk. I, I'm sure as long <laughs> as they sing. I've known a lot of people like that. But it, it, you know, when they started talking, they they kind of lost the game. Excellent. All right. Well, Have a good day, guys. Up. Thank you so much, Miss. All right, there you go. All yeah, right. they play a lot locally. Excellent. Uh, are they still around? Well, it sounds like they're split up now. I think. So. Well, they're like a, they're a band slash like little bike gang. What kind of music thing. do they play? Um, like like indie pop, like kitschy uh, indie, like you know, kind of dirty. Let's do one more here, and then we'll uh, take a break. Uh, final call for High Concept Wednesday. Album you bought for one song, the rest of which was never listened to. Head East, Flat as a Pancake. Of course, of course, Head East. Can I just tell you this? I used to work with a guy who, and you never hear this, he was the biggest Head East fan ever. And you don't really ever hear somebody say that they're a huge Head East fan. And I, he'd say, Head East, and I, yeah, Flat as Pancake, you know, whatever that song was, never been any reason. And he'd go, no, 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 I got their, no, I'm talking about their 1999, you know, like, uh, Japanese-only, like, import disc with the whole, and he was just, like, the biggest Head East fan on earth. Um, I bought it for the one song, which is a great rock song, yeah. but the rest of the album is just crap. The great thing about that song is how it's the weird, it's like a Leonard Skinner song with Getty Lee from Rush on vocals. Yep. All right, excellent. Thank you. Great call to go out on. Thank you, sir. All right, that's a great final call. Head East. There's never been any reason. I can't do it. I can't do the one. Get <laughs> um, Head East. You'd be glad you missed out on that. All right, I'll play us into the break here. Uh, this is for um, David, who just turned 38 while in a cubicle. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Let me just uh, 
Uh, okay, there we go. This is for David, who just turned 38 and who uh, criticized me for not having this on the uh, on the top five. Back after this, uh, Tim Riley uh, around the corner. Like is at three, Donna Mike at seven, and so forth. They stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 70. Stolen, Steve Radio. Here's uh, Brittany Fox for that guy. Project, the lead singer. Uh huh. Does it suck? <laughs> it's a techno band. Of course, that's what they always do. And all the pictures are set to private, but for some reason I can't see the front of his hair in the really? faraway picture that he has. So it's not private. He's hiding behind a tree with Dick Cheney. Don't look at me. I remember seeing him at Warp Tour. And this is the guy from Lit. What's his name? The guy from Lit, uh, AJ Popoff. And I saw him. In the parking lot of the Kingdom, right before they demolished it, yeah. the Warped Tour, and he was wearing a white wife beater and bright orange pants, and he was the hottest thing I've ever seen. Now, not so much. No, but probably within your reach now. I just can't. I'm sorry. Techno band, I can't do it. Well, here's the thing I've learned, is that, first of all, whenever you see a guy who, it's never a guy who is famous. It's always a guy who's on the downside of his musical fame, and he will begin starting uh, these sort of weird offshoot bands, and they're always, almost without fail, they are almost always with some sort of techno, industrial, electronic element, because there really is no side band, there really is that guy in his basement alone. That's with no family or friends. Tame Me Down from Faster Pussycat did this in my generation, where he started this band called Blah Blah Blah, whatever the hell they're called, and it was like that. Nikki Six from Motley Crue has done it a whole bunch, where he's created all these weird techno side projects. Um, Tommy Lee uh, from Motley Crue did Methods of Mayhem, and I think and I think another band actually with a different name that is also like an industrial band. Here, here's so, his new band. Oh, are they, is this clean? Yeah. Oh, it's techno. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's fantastic. This is all it does. I can't handle it. That's fantastic. Uh, final observation, and this is the worst one ever. A woman bought an entire album for the song Butterfly by Crazy Town. <laughs> oh. No. All right. Here's Tim Riley. The and now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. There's a new baby at the Oregon Zoo, an exotic, delightfully colored tangerine monkey. He's eliciting squeals of delight from the youngsters. And then shrieks of terror. 
This healthy infant is known as Francois Lingue. Francois? Yeah. Really? Francois Dillinger? He kind of looks like Danny Bonaducci. <laughs> That's so great. He does. Wonderful. The baby was a surprise, but certainly not wanted, said the senior monkey keeper. <laughs> there are fewer than 75 of these uh, Francois Linguas in American zoos, so it's uh, very important to have one here in Oregon. Uh, this monkey will remain visible to the public for the next two weeks before moving to an off-site exhibit pending construction at the new Red Ape Reserve Exhibit. The, r- the Red Ape Reserve Exhibit? Uh-huh. It's going to house orangutans and gibbons. Uh, these uh, little monkeys grow to be medium-sized. They're found mostly in northeast Vietnam, the southern portions of China, and south-central Laos, where they're usually eaten for dinner. Uh, due to endangered uh, human contact, poaching for medical use is prohibited. I guess they don't want them killed. Well, who can blame them? These adorable monkeys are now on display for limited time only. Well, a bunch of uh, Afghan businesswomen are touring Oklahoma right now, and uh, the Oklahoma women are being their mentors. The women that are coming to Oklahoma this week are staying in homes of businesswomen owners oh, of Oklahoma City that are in, in the equivalent kind of jobs. And so they're, they're mentoring them this week and providing for all of their needs this week. And God, imagine being mentored by some hick from Oklahoma. I don't mean to paint with a broad brush, but please. I mean, honestly, come on. I mean, if you bring Broad over here to discover the American can-do attitude and business ingenuity, and I mean, you're trying to discover some groundbreaking secret of the American the American way of business success, and I take you to Oklahoma to talk to some to some corn-fed moron. I mean, really? Come on. These corn-fed morons are from many walks of life. Uh, sure, is sure a, they are. A beautician. She owns her own beauty shop. Oh God. One is a small manufacturing. Businesswoman makes toys, I think, as I recall, balls. They're making sports equipment. <laughs> so it's just interesting kinds of things. One of them's a cook. Okay. One of them's a cook and one of them makes balls. <laughs> they really are doing everything in Oklahoma. That's, that's groundbreaking uh, manufacturing is what that is. They'll learn how to do things the Oklahoman way. What we're doing here in Oklahoma is letting them work with women who own their own businesses and and live that lifestyle with our own women here. They're wanting to know how we do what we do. They'll bring the Oklahoma lifestyle back to Afghanistan. I was just going to say, it'll be right at home. Imagine if you're from Afghanistan. I mean, here's the thing that even after, um, you know, even having seen another uh, country, which in a month I I will be able to say that I've been to another country. It's not like Afghanistan. No, it's not like Afghanistan. But I'm saying, I think no matter how much you tour the world as an American, I think it, I'm speculating now, but I think it's probably impossible to really know. It's one of those things I would I would like to do some mind meld for just a moment with some foreigner and discover. Like I, it would be interesting to know just what the image of America is in certain parts of the world. You know what I mean? Like if you go to and just pick some guy off the streets of Afghanistan and you say, describe to me what you think America is like. It seems to me like the mass media, even in a place as remote as Afghanistan, probably gives people a very uh, a glamorous and exaggerated view of America. That would be my guess. I or whatever the pictures true. on the cigarette pack might be. Yeah, so it's like everybody in America is either a cowboy or a movie star, right? You get that idea? Imagine just being some person in Afghanistan, though, and you've lived your whole life with this very glamorous, glitzy, over-the-top, very lavish spectacle that is America, and then they bring you, you're going to America, and then they're bringing you to Oklahoma. I mean, really, talk People about a whittling on a front porch. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, really. Would you like a bag full of fat for dinner? I mean, just I can't even imagine what a letdown that must be. I mean, well, okay. they're telling them to go to New York. How would they know? Seriously. <laughs> where? Where am I? Manhattan? <laughs> we might not have time to see Lady Liberty. Let's, let's go chew on a cob. So, uh, well, uh, have fun, Afghanis. Here's to you. A brain-swelling amoeba has killed a second child in central Florida. Oh. A 10-year-old boy died after contacting this while swimming in the central Florida lake. This is the second reported case since August. A brain-swelling amoeba. Mm-hmm. I kind of root for amoeba. It, it says here you can avoid this, all you kids down there, by wearing nose clips or holding your nose when swimming, yeah, but jumping look, or diving. But you'll, but you'll look like a... a Close your nostrils. Yes. So how can... That doesn't make any sense. If it gets into your mouth, it seems like it can get into your brain. I suppose so. It can cause a skin rash, a runny nose, and burning eyes. Okay. The amoeba invades the brain, and the disease progresses rapidly, often resulting in death in three to seven days. If I had to be killed by something, I'd like for it to be an amoeba. They seem sort of—it seems like a—it seems like sort of cute way to die. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Amoebas sort of seem—they kind of—they're kind of adorable. Well, a baby anteater born at the National Zoo is a girl, and now she has a name. Aurora was born six weeks ago, but they couldn't determine the sex right away because a baby anteater rides on her mother's back during the first weeks of life. The public chose the name through an online poll beating out Isabel in Pilar. A veterinarian say Aurora weighs a little over eight pounds and seems to be in good health. Or as good as an anteater gets, I suppose. Time for a religious nutcase watch. Here's your religious nutcase watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Loving Muslim religion. A divorce court has ruled that a man was right to beat and abuse his wife because the Muslim holy book allowed it. A terrified partner, a 26-year-old mother of two, filed for a quickie divorce after her husband hit her and even threatened to kill her. But after the judge in Frankfurt, Germany, rejected her application, quoting a Quran verse that has some controversy interpreted to mean the man can beat his wife if she acts in an unchaste fashion. The woman judge said it was a religious thing because both the wife and husband are from Morocco, home to many Muslims. She added, the exercise of the right to castigate does not fulfill the hardship criteria defined by German law. So there, so, so, so he was what? So he was punching her or something? Yes. And then the court said it's fine because the Quran says it's... Yeah, they're Muslims. It's a, it's a, thing, it's a thing to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. So there you go. That's in Germany. This, Germany where I would really not expect that sort of law to be upheld, but it, I don't really know. I'm not a continental person. All right, this story brought to you by Islam, the religion of peace. Oh, we're getting free money before Christmas. You know that? Is this the kicker? Thing? Yeah, this is the kicker. Which is, it's actually even higher than they said it would yeah. be. The average will be $612. Really? Mm-hmm. For what? I think from it's free state. money, sir. Free money from the state. <gasps> now, is this, when you say free money, is this money that I have paid that they're just giving back to me? Correct. 
Okay, so it's so it's, it's like a it's a tax refund. Oh, that's because mm-hmm. you know, like one person's gonna get the six hundred, we're just gonna get little like hundred dollar checks, which mm-hmm. is still more than nothing. Now, but but is it an average? Of the average will be six hundred twelve dollars. Oh yeah, no, I'll get like twelve dollars, yeah. and like Sarah will get a grand or so. Scotty oh, will yeah, get a grand. Right. It'll be Scotty. Scotty's family will totally be. They'll get. They'll get like twelve hundred dollars. So sometime between the time after Thanksgiving and before December fifteenth, well, you'll fantastic. get that. So plan ahead of time. Uh, we have uh, just a couple minutes before we break. Uh, let's try to get that. Cor- do you have corpse watch? I do. Let's do that, let's and then we'll take that. a break here. Here's your corpse watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. I'm digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Oh, before we get to this one, uh, Pepperoni's almost dead. Really? Yeah. He's on his deathbed right now. From what? Well, from being huge, I would imagine. Being huge. <laughs> his body has just ceased to function. <laughs> Maybe we can blow him up on the Oregon beach. So we know if the family's gathered at the bedside. Uh, is, that, is that true? That is true, as is, we speak. Has the globe run some picture of Pepperoni's final gripping last days? It will be. Right. Within the next few minutes. So we'll be back. How old is he? 71, I think. Really? I didn't think he was that old. Yeah. All right. Uh, from Waterbury, Connecticut, comes a word a man accused of breaking into caskets and mausoleums to rob the dead of jewelry and gold teeth at a Waterbury cemetery has pled uh. guilty. Joseph Barretti, 26, of New York City, has pled guilty to interference with the cemetery and burial ground possession and sale of narcotics and other charges. The state's attorney, John Conley, said the man molested the bodies looking for jewelry and threw five bodies, including that of an infant, onto a mausoleum floor. They found a ring on one body and took that ring. Oh, this is gross. He pulled bodies apart and looked through their skulls for gold teeth and put them in his pocket. Where'd you get all this gold? Oh, the uh, cemetery's caretaker alerted Waterbury police that three mausoleums had been smashed open. A ring the man sold to a pawn shop has been recovered, and police say two sets of gold dentures were found in an apartment where he was staying. They're recommending a 20-year sentence and uh, suspended after 10 years, sir, and five years probation. Jesus God Almighty. All right, there you go. Uh, there's your uh, corpse watch for, uh... I'm digging a Oh, then we've got a kicker phone. comment here before we break. I'm resurrecting memories of a love that's dead and gone. Yet not I'm sitting alone, digging a phone. Let's see, this is, uh... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, um, wasn't it last year there was a big controversy about the state deciding to actually keep the kicker? Like they didn't give it back. They were, like, trying to decide what to do, and they're like, eh, we'll just keep it. I don't know. Tim, you keep, it. You keep your finger on the pulse of the government here. You did keep it before, but they're giving it back. All right. So they, so they right. kept it. But now Scotty is saying, Scotty is saying that the average in Oregon is only $200 or something. Scotty, I think you're making that up. Well, what so who knows whether you're – so do they actually decide that – we're going to get the money back now? Yes, you're getting it back. All right. What did oh, you... What? Now, according to what you just read, Tim, what would you say the average kicker was? It said 612. All right. Scotty is insisting that it's $239. Well, maybe that's what Scotty's getting. <laughs> Sorry, Scotty. You'll have by to... the way, um, I just like to say, uh, kicker. Oh, I'm... I, okay. I barely knew her. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye now. There you go. It's 503-733-2970. Do we have to break here? Yes. All right, we're going to take a break. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in all the uh, world. Back at uh, 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the air all the way through. Like us! 
All right, Tom Likas at 3, Donna Mike at 7, Rick Emerson Show wraps up after this. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. So forth and the whatnot. Hello. Hi. Goodbye. Uh, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcast today, the final segment of the Rick Emerson, the radio program. We were having seen a radio correspondent, um, Lisa Goddard, uh, Mark Shearer, and Amanda Moyer, um, and so forth. Oh, and our congratulations to Mr. Skin uh, from MrSkin.com, who apparently had a bouncing baby something or other today, uh, which is why he is not joining us on the program. So uh, we'll talk to him again next week. In the meantime, in between time, the Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day. By the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, it's Tim Riley. Uh, our uh, PA is Scotty J. And, of course, the gatekeeper is the one and only Dave Zinn. Join us tomorrow on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, when our guests will include Jim Roop, Steve Castavon, Lisa Goddard, and from the San Diego Zoo, Joan Embry. It's 503-733-2970. Make a note of it. We are back in 20 hours. Like us next. Donna Mike at 7. John and Jeff at 11. Dennis Miller tomorrow, 8 to 11. We'll be back uh, tomorrow morning at 11. As always, don't let the bastards grind it down. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. Bye, kids. Wyhenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, but he's gay.